The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show with your hosts, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, and Rob Hammerschmidt, who tackle the tough topics relating to Major League Rugby in the US and Canada. This is your premier source of information. You are listening to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, this is the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show, and you're here to join us for Major League's first inaugural college draft. Isn't it exciting, guys? Yes. Joining me here, of course, you know Scott, and you know Rob Hammerschmidt. We're going to have some fun here today. The energy is high. This event is big, and we're going to make sure that we share all of this excitement as we're going to go down to NOLA to find out what's happening there. We're going to see some of the players come on board the show. We're going to have lots of exciting things happening, and it starts in only about 15 minutes when the draft goes live itself, and you're here to be able to share it with us, the MLR and podcast show. So again, boys, what do you think about this? Are we excited? Oh, man, I've been on pins and needles all day. So pumped, so jacked. Uh, You know, we got uh, Sam Barry. He was waiting on deck. We got the folks down in NOLA. Benji's up there uh, really pumping us down there at the NOLA Gold Watch Party. I'm, I'm just really excited for this inaugural draft. Big guy, what are you thinking right now? Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, I can't wait, even though Rudy uh, traded away their, their two picks. Um, and now you're, you guys are going to get to see my lovely face on the draft because I was actually picked to, to, to welcome the new uh, Rudy it's member. Hearsay. We see no evidence. It's not real. Yeah. We'll get that <laughs> out of here. Uh, but I think we should go. Guys, should we check in with Benji? Should we check in with Absolutely. Benji? Let's see what All the right, down there. Benji, where'd he go? Didn't want to talk to us. <laughs> All right. Barely. Going well, boys. <laughs> I mean, I see him there, but I guess it's, it's you know, it's it's havoc down at, at the NOLA watch party. I know they're having a big street street thing. So, um, Rob, um, how about Kean? Kean's on deck. Let's uh, – Yeah. Let's go to right. Kean. Kean, there you are. Hey, how are you guys? Kean, what's up, my man? Welcome to the NOLA Gold, brother. Thank you very much. Glad to be there. Awesome. So uh, while we have you here, give us a sense for what your process was like. You kind of had a unique situation. We've been talking a little bit about it, but I don't know that a whole lot of folks out there that are fans of the MLR really kind of understand what happened in your particular situation. I think it'd be good for them to to get a sense for that. Yeah, so I I lost my play at UCLA. It was back in June of 2019. So uh, it was over a year ago, 
And so I wasn't in the eligibility bracket for that, but I applied on a bit of a technicality. So I uh, played for the Collegiate All-Americans at Rugby Town within that time frame. The league got back to me saying that I was ineligible. So on Monday or Sunday, I uh, became a free agent and uh, negotiated with terms with Noah. That's awesome. So uh, talk to us a little bit about your trip down there and your experience as you got a chance to work out with them and uh, get a vibe for what the NOLA gold are like as an organization. Yeah, went down there on Tuesday for a 24-hour trip, real quick and sharp. Met the guys, uh, met Ryan, met Nate. Uh, really happy with what I saw. I think their style of play suits me very well. It's very fast. I think they are into investing in young talent and developing them through, which is obviously something you want to see as a young player going into a program. Um, yeah, I'm just all around extremely happy about it. It was my first time in New Orleans, and uh, we had flash floods. So I was walking barefoot <laughs> in knee-high water in the street, whatever it was. So it's a different experience. So I'm really looking forward to getting back down there. Awesome. So uh, tell me this. Um, you went down there and visited. I had a chance to chat with uh, the the boys and and see what um, was going on down there. Um, now you're listed as a 15 as a fullback, um, and and they are perhaps one of the best fullbacks in the league down there. JP Eloff. Uh, what kind of did you have a chance to talk with JP a little bit when you were down there? Uh, I I actually did not see JP at all, but. Uh... I am listed as a fullback in the draft. I only put that as my position because that's where I played my last year of college and it was where I had most of my film. Uh, realistically, I'm probably more of a trade scrum half than, okay. than, a, than a fullback. So I think that's a lot where they're looking at me as well, covering both. I also play on the wing and, and grew up playing fly half. So versatility is big for me. Uh, positions are arbitrary wherever I slot invest with the team. Well, I tell you what, two of the guys that I really uh, enjoy watching, maybe because they have the best nicknames on the goal, that would be the Mongoose and the Vampire, uh, <laughs> respectively, play on the wing and and uh, play scrum half. Uh, I know they're both down there in NOLA right now. Have you had a chance to meet with either Holden uh, or um, my guy, Nick Feeks? Yeah, I uh... – I was uh, training a bit with Nick Feeks uh, while I was down there. Uh, he's a guy I've known for a little while because we've played against each other, UCLA versus Lindenwood. Played against each other uh, when I played for the Collegiate. We played against Nola at Rugby Town. Uh, so he's my age, so we are obviously familiar with each other. Yeah, uh, I've talked to him about the, about the club and uh, everything, everything positive that I've heard about it was reinforced from him. And, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to get down there and start working with the boys. Awesome. Awesome. So it's good to hear again. I was ecstatic to hear you'd sign with no goal. Of course, that's my team. Um, what are the questions you boys have for, uh, for the newly minted uh, and signed member of the NOLA goal? Right. Well, first of all, congratulations, man. I'm pretty sure it's an exciting time for you and we're happy that we could share it with you. I know that it's been much anticipation as to what's going on around the draft. Um, you know, it's just an exciting time all around. You guys are a part of making history. And for you, it came about a little bit of a different way to find your new rugby home. But nevertheless, I'm sure it's going to be a happy one for you. 
So yeah, definitely. I, know, yeah, I think Rob covered a couple of the, the nice points there. But you know, the, one of the things that I wanted to be able to figure out is I actually haven't been down to Nola. Actually, in fact, Rob, I don't think you've actually been down no. to Nola yet either. I, I had a trip planned for my spring break because I'm a teacher. On my spring break, my family was going to go down there. We had tickets. Right. We're going to see Toronto. Had everything all organized, and that uh, damn COVID hit. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting time. You're joining an amazing team. I love the culture down there from what I've heard from Nate and all the other guys that are involved there with Nick Beeks. We had him on the show. It's an amazing culture that I think you will slot into pretty well. I mean, I heard you say that you prefer yourself at Scrum Hop, but obviously you're going to be going there in an evolving team. You're going to grow with the people around you. And uh, ultimately, this is going to add, add to your, all of your rugby experience. We hope to be able to see you in that starting lineup as soon as possible. And we on the MLR rant will be following your career very closely as we want to see great things to come from you. Now, Excellent, guys. Thank you very much. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us. And we might very well end up uh, hearing from a few more players. Is that right, Rob? Yeah, from what I understand, uh, Kian's, uh, Kian's uh, mentor down there, Nola, is on standby when none other uh, than Benjamin Haswell. So before he leaves, Kian, thank you very much for joining us. Good luck, mate. And I hope to see you down there when I, when I get my uh, first chance to travel myself down to the Crescent City. We're gonna try. We're gonna try and go to Rick uh, at, at the newly minted Dallas Jackals. Uh, let's see if we can bring up Rick here. All right. Hey, Rick. What's hey. up, man? Hey, guys. Welcome to Dallas. Hey, wow. you're you're Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, we can hear you. You're good. <laughs> so you're good. we're getting a few people here. A little bit early still for us here in Dallas. We still got a lot of sun, uh, and uh, we're getting excited. Four picks in the draft. Uh, that's a huge. For us, uh, we want to see young talent. I think a lot of guys here are ready to build a system that uh, we can be proud of with the Jackals. What are your thoughts? Right. Guys? And, you know, that is pretty interesting, as you said, that you've got so many picks to be able to come. You know, there's been a few last minute changes within the draft order, offering some greater opportunity to a few teams to be able to snatch a couple of young players here and there. Uh, and as you say, building that culture. So it's excellent to be able to see that you guys have managed to be able to put together uh, a great event. Obviously, a growing audience and a growing fan base. It's really awesome to be able to see down in Dallas, who have just recently revealed themselves as the Jackals. And we'll be, of course, touching base with them throughout this opportunity to be able to hear who might be their picks in uh, this uh, opportunity here in the draw. Rob, did you want to be able to share yeah, something? You know, I think Rick hit upon a great point, and that is um, their, the fact that they have four picks, courtesy of Rooney, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, I knew I would get, I knew I'd get the big guy going, but courtesy of Rooney, they get, th they get four picks. And I think, you know, in some of the lead up in the few weeks since the draft was announced, there were a lot of people that were poo-pooing the draft. They didn't think that there were a lot of college players that had the ability to step into the MLR uh, straight away. And I think a, um, they're a little off base there. I think there's going to be a lot of great finds in the first two rounds. If anybody watched DJ Coyle, uh, along with um, uh, uh, Alex, Alex Roth. Yeah, um, they did a really nice job. And I think as, as you look through their pieces, you see some really talented kids. And don't forget that these guys don't have to step into starting positions right away. These kids can step into a 20, 25-minute um, you know, time in, in uh, various games um, to get some experience. Um, and so 
don't ex- I, I don't think we need to set the expectations too high that they're going to light the world on fire, but I think they're definitely going to be a lot of kids that contribute to some teams. And with four right. picks, uh, Dallas is going to have some depth to build on. Right. You know, and the important thing to recognize, and as you said, maybe the rugby IQ isn't there right away with some of the younger players, but it's an investment inside those players that you hope to be able to see grow over a season, two seasons, three seasons. You know, and you can see examples of this in Nola, you know, Deborah Schmidt uh, being a great example. You've also got, uh, you know, graduates from, from the college system to Nola being uh, Nick Feeks. We, uh, of course, spoken about him before. There can be numerous more examples just alone in, in NOLA and across the league even more. But it is a concerted effort to be able to grow rugby from college level, bring them into pro rugby, and this is the logical path for progression for players to be able to finally find uh, a pathway from college rugby to pro rugby. So it can only be seen as a great thing in our opinion. And I know we've covered this in previous episodes of the MLR rant. There are many that agree with us. Of course, the academies are another successful way of growing players. However, with the infrastructure that is currently available to US rugby, the college system and the draft makes great sense. And that's why it exists here today. Hey, rugby fans, this is Ty Braga from the MLR rant podcast show. A quick question to you out there. Want to be able to grow your business? Well, you can do that by advertising free with the MLR Rant Podcast Show, and here's how you can do it. Step one, to simply contact us to find out more. We'll share all the options available. Step two, choose the package that works for you. Step three, get it for free. That's right, we're going to give away a free episode for every sponsorship package, so let us know by contacting us at the MLR Rant Podcast Show. And uh, to be able to understand a little bit more about the draft, there have been some changes. We spoke about one with the transfer or the swap of uh, the player opportunities with Rooney and now Dallas. We should probably cover a few more. So, Scott, would you like to be able to offer a further insight as to some of the changes and what it means for the draft? Well, so we had uh, some big changes with the Sabercats also dropping out. They have, they they, um, they traded their picks uh, for a um, – for a, a scrum half, um, and I think Houston oh, yeah, in, in that in uh, um, win win now mode. Excuse me, guys. I'm trying to do all the technical stuff and and, and talk. It's okay. Time. I threw I and threw you under walking the He's like walking too dumb. Um, in case but, you guys don't know, Scott is actually our tech guy, so he's the one who's putting this all together. So right now he's doing about seven different things, and as you know, men usually aren't good at multitasking. <laughs> and, and just to point out, the MLR. Uh, it was supposed to be live right now, and they're not. Um, so right. But anyway, so you you have um, Houston, who I think has decided they want to be in a win-now mode, um, getting a young scrummy. They can teach right. them on the way up. They can still get all of their guys in free agency if they want them. Um, I think they, they just had the, the opportunity to get somebody that they wanted from Utah, and uh, and it worked out for them. Um, Utah actually came out with a um, – with a, uh, a a memo stating that they are going about the draft um, like the NFL Green Bay Packers do. So for people who don't know, the Green Bay Packers build their team around the draft. They actually don't go to free agency. They want to build their own team, um, getting kids, young people from the draft and, and teaching them their philosophy from the ground up. So you can see that's why uh, they made that um, transition to, to not uh, uh, be in the draft at this point. Um, Rooney, uh, they also had decided to kind of – go away from what they were doing the past two years. Um, actually, historically, Rooney has used less 
player slots, um, in foreign player slots than most other teams in the league. So they decided this year they want that extra foreign player slot to see if they can bring in a young guy, maybe from the Southern Hemisphere, I was told, um, to see what's going on. Um, and, uh, you know, it, just like the just like the NFL draft people, there's going to be trades. There's going to be trades. Now we know you can trade foreign player spots. You can trade cap room, and you can trade yeah. players. So it's, it's nice to have all that information. Right. And, you know, that has been a, a criticism in the past that there wasn't enough understanding about how these slots really worked. How did the uh, the uh, international player slots really work? And it has been adjusted over the different years. But just to be able to give people a further insight at the moment. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, it is 10 available international slots per team. Now, that doesn't mean that it's restricted to who's on the field or who's in the squad. That's just overall. So the average team, let's say, for example, they have 35 players. That means that, you know, less than a third of them would be internationals. Now, in the case of LA uh, and, of course, others, they've now given away their opportunity to be able to choose a couple of those younger players for the opportunity to have an international. And it's not to be able to say that they don't find that's trusted, tried or tested, or they don't believe in the systems. It's just a difference in strategy of what the team needs. It's not pegging one against the other. It depends on what the vision of the coaching staff is and the direction they want to go. So I, I want to go back to what Scott touched upon earlier with uh, Houston trading away their picks to get uh, Robbie uh, Povey. Yeah, um, it, it's an indication. I mean, if you think about one of their critical playmakers, Sam Windsor, you know, um, I, I think Sam is 27 or 28. Um, and so he's got some years left. But these are years that they, I think, want to have success. They don't want to wait um, to see what the draft class produces a year or two or three years down the line. What they want to do is see what kind of impact they can have uh, next year. Uh, straight out of the gates in 2021. So I think right. finding that critical um, deliver of the ball um, out of Povey will really help Sam Windsor in his game. And and he is a fabulous kicker and a fabulous playmaker. Um, Povey will give him support. So I think, again, that, you know, and speaking to your point, it gives you a little insight into their strategy. Conversely, Noel, I think, has a pretty set um, uh, core of players, especially at the spine positions, what they're looking to do is add some depth. And so that's why they look to move up in the draft, have quality depth, uh, and they were willing to give up. And and by the way, they have a lot of U.S. players on their roster as well. And so they're willing to give up some of that, um, some of that uh, um, international, um, you know, spot right. in order to get, you know, that depth and, and build on the, the, the American players that they have. Right. And, you know, it becomes important. Obviously, teams want to start in a winning form and they want to be able to position themselves as best as possible now, because this is the you know, we've got a long way to go before the season starts. There's still going to be a lot of changes. Whatever happens here, the draft itself is not the, 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 the exact overall picture, but it's a great place to be able to begin. So uh, teams. You know, moving forward, as you said, with Povey, they're looking at these gaps, they're looking at the opportunities, they're structuring their team around a few key players, those playmakers, and uh, we're going to see what's going to come of it later today, what direction these teams may very well be going. It's going to be interesting to see what positions they would pick because it will identify what some of the strategies or what they think the current opportunities for improvement may be in their squads. So this is what makes the draft interesting. It gives you a further insight as to the vision of ahead, what might be coming for those teams in the season uh, moving forward. And uh, guys, just so you know, the MLR draft uh, did go live. And the first thing uh, they did was actually go to a uh, recorded or an interview with um, George Killebrew, the commissioner. Um, 
And uh, so, so for people who are watching us, um, you know, do a split screen, go to us, uh, go to the MLR fan page on Facebook, and you can see the draft live. All right. Well, I think I have that feed on the background for me right now, so we can see that just over my left shoulder. And, uh, you know, we're going to be monitoring the developments right throughout. We're going to be sharing it with all of our viewers. We wanted to be able to offer you a different side of the conversation. Of course, both uh, have great merits. We've been digging into this quite deep now for a few weeks. Rob's done a fantastic job of being able to gather some video from these players. Hopefully, we'll have the opportunity to share that. We'll definitely be able to do so if it's one of the players we've been talking to. And we'll continue to be able to share those opportunities right through all of the developments that may come whenever the picks are done. Now we're going to, we actually have the Dallas back from Dallas on yeah. over there and in Dallas. So let's head over to there and see what he's got to be able to share with us. Uh, Rick, you're Rick, muted. Rick, can you hear us? If you can hear us, you're on mute. <laughs> All right. So we'll make sure that we get uh, to be able to chat to him. As soon as he jumps in, we'll swing back there. Now, Something interesting, just to be able to give people, obviously, an idea of the format. Now, the draft order has changed, but it will be going reverse order. So that means that, of course, we'll be starting in uh, with the expansion teams and moving away upwards in order of the end of the season uh, for 2020. Unfortunately, obviously, it ended soon. Now, there's been a few changes. There's been a few draft changes. There's been a few swaps. And we'll keep you up to date with all of that. What I wanted to be able to share, that it was released in an article earlier today, I believe, that each team will have a limit of five minutes to be able to make their pick. During that time, of course, we'll figure out who's next, and we'll be making sure that we're following that. There he is. There we go. We got Benji back. Huh? All right. Hey, how y'all doing? Is that a trial time or time out? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, Benji? People around me know that I'm back on again. Hey, just another day in Nola, man. Pretty sweet down here. Massive crowd. I'm talking uh, maybe 150 people out here. Seriously. Excellent. And, uh, you know, nice venue. Actually, a bunch of social distancing going on um, in between a bunch of drinking. So it's been a pretty cool party so far. Can't complain. Excellent. Well, tell us, what's the energy? What are the activities like? What's happening down there? Well, a bunch of... Uh, uh, people selling all kinds of stuff, mostly beer, uh, music going on. Uh, I can actually take it for maybe for a little walkabout uh, with my uh, computer as we go. Excellent. Uh, let me take this from and y'all can kind of see some of the sights and sounds. Excellent. Well, hold us a little further down so we can see everything except the sky. That's the big man. Ah, the commissioner, George Kennedy, again now to announce the first overall pick. And it looks like the action is about to start as we are following it. We will share it with you. Benji, thanks for the opportunity to see what's going on in Nola, but we've got to move on and find out. I'm rooting him. I'm rooting him for Dallas. So 
We are following it in anticipation. Scott has the information he needs to be able to share. We have South Jackal selecting Connor Mooney with the first overall pick, obviously historic. We got the go crazy down in the Jackal land. Benji, we'll have to come back to you. I'm not sure. I'm Rick's giving us the thumbs up. Unfortunately, we can't hear him. Um, but it looks like they're having fun down there. They're excited down. Hey, it's the face mask. Yes. Me through the face mask. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, exciting day! Exciting day to be a Jackal fan. Um, hey, guys! You know, I think it's a really, a really good player on a life. We went, we went in the uh, back line with a center slash wing instead of going pack, which everybody thought for sure the first even the first four or five picks would be packed yeah for sure dj coil and um uh Jeff. <laughs> alex Goff. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, both both had you know a number of the first picks being consumed by uh uh packies by guys in the tight five and and more specifically some locks but so it's really interesting to see that you guys went with a a, a backline player well, how excited are you guys <laughs> den dogs, baby. The den dogs. Um, you know, Moonium has actually been playing rugby since the age of 12. So he's one of the guys in the draft that does have a, a long background in playing rugby, which is something we talk about. So um, it's good to see that. Uh, they, they have him live uh, interviewing now uh, on the screen. Um, again, I think uh, – I don't know. I, I, you know me. I like, I like my tight five, so I'm, I'm not really sure, you know. How are you guys feeling about that pick down there in Dallas? Uh, I think we're excited to at least get on the board, right? Uh, we didn't pass on the pick like the Minnesota Vikings back in uh, the early aughts. So we're happy to have a player. Yeah, and he's of good caliber. I mean, the kid comes out of Life University. They have one of the – I mean, they're one of the best 15 programs in the United States. So you couldn't ask for a kid with uh, any better experience coming out of the college uh, in the United States. So you got to love that pick. It's a good size kid, um, and really has a nice step. I think Ty talked about that. Right. You know, it's great to be able to see already early something that goes against the uh, the consensus was to be able to say, as you said, be able to go with some of the heavies up front. So it should maybe shows a clear intent of what the direction may be. It's going to be maybe more of a running game. They're looking at being able to, you know, you can always speculate. That's what it's all about. But it's nice to be able to have one surprise early on. And that's what this is all about. We think we know, but we're going to keep following it. And we're going to see if we're right, right? Hey, the most exciting thing for us is we still have three more picks on the board. So, right. Are you rubbing it in? You're rubbing it in? Is that what you're doing? Here you go. Yeah, I mean, Rooney gave up the opportunity. So, of course, their loss is your gain. And we're happy to be able to see that because out there in Dallas, you guys are doing something special. Look at that. Jackals in the den. I love it, man. Great energy. You guys are doing some awesome work, already putting together the fans. I mean, it's early. You guys are definitely out there in front and making a clear statement. I love it to be able to see you guys out there. And now, I love I love to see the fact that they've already got some merch happening in spite of the fact I know. that the Jackal been a, a thing. Creating uh, an identity already. That's right. Uh, for less than fantastic. I mean, fan engagement has to be one of the core principles of developing a new team. You need to be able to define that fan experience. You need to be able to engage with them as early as possible, build that culture around the club. And of course, come you know the opening of the season, uh, it will be great to be able to see that stadium full. And uh, 
it looks like Dallas and their fan support is already starting that journey, which is fantastic to be able to see from Rick Collins and, of course, everybody there who enjoys that experience there today with the draft. And they do still have three more picks. So, Scott, what have you learned about the next opportunity for a player to be announced? Uh, well, right now, Nola's on the clock. Their five minutes are going. Um, they haven't announced a player yet as they're still interviewing uh, Mr. Mooneyum. Um so we're waiting for Rob's team, Nola Gold, to uh, to make their move here. Uh, is, so what uh, I see, I, is Benji available on the feed or no? He's, uh, he's give me one second. He's telling me that the coaches are on the screen for the second pick. Uh, I see right. Killebrew coming on now. Benji, what's your prediction, my friend? Nova goes to like no, no, the second overall pick. They went with the big heavies. They went with heavies. Nova goes to pick Ryan Nolt. The second overall pick is not the end. The confirmation there on that on TV. So I think going up front is a good thing for them. Uh, I think they do have an issue in their back. Right. And, you know, to be able to bring in some 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 heavy stuff, I mean, the game, the way it is in the modern day and age, uh, the type five is among the most crucial positions on the field. It's a power forward, a power the heavyweights, and uh, the game is, is structured around the importance of having these guys up there in front. So it's got perhaps no surprise that they decided to go with one of the forwards uh, as opposed to Dallas, who chose one of the backs. So, so I, I just like to step in here real quick. I think there are two important things about this pick. And, and again, I'm, uh, you know, like uh, the big guys familiar with Rooney, I'm very familiar with uh, the NOLA. Um, you know, Ben Tarr uh, is getting up there in age. Uh, he still has some uh, tread on tires, but uh, it, it makes sense that, that NOLA wants to go with a, a prop, a young prop that they can develop and then they can benefit from the experience and uh, the tremendous uh, understanding of, of playing the front row that Ben Tarr offers. Uh, don't forget that um, in the 2019 season, um, the, Noel had a couple of injuries up front, and, and that was when they were you know, really on that big run that they had. They were doing really well. They were putting up points. They were at the tops of the table. Uh, they ran into some injury issues, especially up front, and I th really think that in part – uh, was the reason why um, their push for uh, a playoff position was stymied. So you see Nola adding some much um, needed depth at the front row position. You know, right. it's funny because believe it or not, Nolt is actually started out as a flanker. Um, he was actually heavier uh, as a freshman and a sophomore at playing flanker. So I would assume they had a senior in front of him playing loose. So I think that's one of the keys to, to Nola. You could put this guy as a loose forward. You know, he has the experience. Absolutely. So what are we thinking? Who's up next? So next is uh, Utah via the Houston trade. I don't know. Utah can go either way. You know, I think they're another one that actually has to think about the pack, though, um, for the simple fact that they do have an undersized pack. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's – I, I, I see why you want athletic props and you want athletic front row guys, but sometimes you do need that heft up front to help you out. 
Uh, absolutely. And and I think we saw, like, as I looked at some of the stats coming out of the, the games that they were played in 2020, uh, the teams that were at the tops of the table in both the Eastern and Western Conference uh, really had a strong um, play out of their set piece. Uh, they won a lot of line out and they won a lot of scrum. And I think that was a, an important, particularly in the scrums, important platform in which to launch an attack. And don't forget that Utah has some pretty strong coaches that really understand how to set up the attack um, for rugby. You know, you have um, the experience that comes from Sean Davies. Uh, you have experience. Uh, who's the Australian? Uh, is it Latham? Um, you have Chris Latham that comes from Australia. I think we might be one of the most capped uh, backs in uh, Wallabies history. Uh, so you've got two really key individuals there that understand the importance of attack and having uh, somebody up front that can stabilize the scrum in which to launch the attack is critical. Well, rugby fans, once again, thank you for all the support you've given us here at the MLR Rants Podcast Show. So please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel, hit the bell icon for notifications, or follow us on social media. This has been presented by the MLR Fan Zone. Right. I mean, great analysis there. I'm just listening to the to the uh, the interview, and one of the key points that uh, the new uh, pick there has mentioned is to be able to improve the uh, the scrummaging, uh, to be able to find a cohesive nation, be able to find his feet quite quickly. I mean, these are elements of the game that uh, he's already identified as something that is important for him to be able to grow upon. And of course, what a great place to be able to do it when you've got all that great uh, mentorship around you. So, gentlemen, we are now, of course, well into the uh, the draft. We've now got, I believe, it's two picks, of course. Next up, uh, we've got to be able to share what the next pick would be. Well, the first round, we've got uh, Connor Mooneyham. I'm reading, the, of course, the, the notes that Scott is sharing with us, where Brian Nolte, two, Utah via Houston, will be on Here we the go. pick. Wow. Did you see that, Derek Ellingson? Goes to Utah. Okay. Oh, that's a great pickup. Yeah. Yeah. I know Scott, you were really high on on him. I was I was really high on him. Um I think I think that's a great pickup. I think he he is one of those guys that fits right into their free-flowing system on offense. Um so I, I definitely a great pickup. Love love that pick. Right. And you know, in the St. Mary's College has already had such a great uh, a number of players that come through there. The setup that they've got, the culture that they've got is just breeding great players year after year after year. So it's great to be able to see one of those colleges certainly getting noticed in uh, in the draft already. Yeah. I mean, we know that that they can produce a ready-made player to to uh, right dig themselves in uh, to the MLR. Uh, we we just had uh, Holden Youngert uh, on the screen here about 15 minutes ago down there in NOLA. Um, he came out of that St. Mary's College system. And I think the thing I like most about Derek is his size. I mean, at 6'1", 205, put him on a good weight session. He'll be playing next season probably 215 is reasonable expectation. I mean, that's a good-sized player. Uh, and, and you know, um, again, pair him with the coaching experience that they've got. You know, uh, Latham uh, 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 played center. So, you know, think about the wealth of experience this young man is going to get when he goes down to Utah. It's pretty impressive. Uh, and, and hell, I'm envious that such a young kid can go into a system like that and be under the toolage of experienced coaches uh, like they have down there in Utah. 
Yeah, Utah has a fantastic stadium facilities. Um, the culture down there is great. Uh, Utah um, of last season had some varying results as it is for them almost every season. It's great to be able to see a team who's so heavily invested in, in young players, obviously having traded uh, some of the spots with Houston to be able to gather even more picks in the draft. So it's going to be an interesting approach. Uh, it might be the slow and steady approach to, yeah. to building their team. Um but however, you know, time will tell two, three seasons down the road. What is nice about it, though, is if a team already decides that they're investing in younger players, they're thinking bigger picture and long term. So what we can only hope is that down there, they would be patient to be able to see the results. But uh, I, I, you know, I'm eager to be able to see what will come of their next picks. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I'm going to go back to the coaching staff. You know, I. Sean Davies was a critical figure, and and you you're familiar with Sean Ty. You know yeah. what he what kind of presence um, that he brings to the table to solidify a team. And think about the confidence of having a former Eagle, former Wallaby, uh, as your mentors as you take the field at you know 21, 22, 23 years old, mm-hmm. uh, and the confidence that they're going to be able to instill in him, and the calm to be able to put into him in his game. I really think that speaks um, uh, greatly for the fortunes of uh, the Warriors. In, in the years to come. And it's, right. it's exciting. Well, it's, it's that philosophy that they put out in that memo today about doing it the yeah. Green Bay way, where again, as I mentioned, the way Green Bay does their, their how they recruit is they actually go through the draft. They rarely trade picks. They find the guy who they like, and then they, 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 you know, train them up and coach them up the way they want them instead of trying to make a big splash in free agency. So I think Utah, you know, we saw a Utah team, I think two years in a row now that came on strong early and kind of, yeah kind of mellowed out at the, towards the middle and end of the season. So I think they really need to train up their guys. And um, I think they're – not that they don't have a win-now approach because we know Utah can win any game at any moment, yeah. you know, any given mm-hmm. Sunday with them. Um, but I do think that in this pick, they knew who they were getting, and that's exactly who they wanted. Right, and that's exactly it. You know, that's why – why else would they have traded to be able to get that spot to sacrifice something – I mean, you're doing it with a cause in mind, and uh, they've obviously had this this guy eyeing out for quite some time. They got what they wanted early. The first round is that's what it's all about. Ultimately, you know, uh, Rooney decided to go a different direction. Uh, likewise for some of the other teams. But uh, I, I also wonder, you know, with three more picks, what positions they're going to fill. I don't really know their lineup that well enough, but it's going to be interesting to be able to see. And uh, that's what we're going to continue being able to cover here uh, throughout the draft. And I do note that they are currently on a break in the draft cycle. And, and uh, they'll be back shortly. Yeah, just some of the are. Yeah, they're just some starting to come back. That's when Luluski is coming back. Um, he's, uh, he's rocking his uh, ATL 404 shirt there. <laughs> there we go. We had the pleasure of talking to him last week. It was a really nice conversation. Uh, and he really likes the setup down there at ATL. He, they really have invested in the players, and they really give the players an opportunity to be heavily invested in their organization and in the 404 and their 404 headquarters. It's really exciting to see. Uh, you yeah. know, one, the one thing that I want to just briefly touch upon that's kind of interesting right now is <clears throat> uh, as as we go here, is, is that, you know, all the expectations who would go first have gotten turned on their head. And it's right. it's kind of exciting to see because now the precedence is set as, you know, who the heck knows who's going to be Austin's pick as we uh, move into the uh, to the number four pick. But it certainly is exciting to see. And, and, and I, I can't wait to see who they – which direction they go uh, as as they're on the cusp of uh, their, their first pick in the uh, – 
uh, annual, you know, inaugural uh, first ever right. uh, MLR draft. Yeah, you know, and coming back to to uh, Chance and, and and other great players like Feeks, who we'd spoken about, these are all guys that if it were a couple of years ago that we had started the MLR draft, that would have come through the very same system. So perhaps it's a really great evolution, but it's nice to be able to see that this is now a firm set path to professional rugby. Um, I think it'll still be interesting to be able to see, ultimately, even though they're drafted, whether it becomes a signed contract. Um, but they're, they're showing intent and they've got a plan and they've got a vision. And now this is the first step to putting it into place. Yeah. And, you know, again, I go back to a point, you know, a lot of people on the fan zone, a lot of folks out there, and I love the fans that they're great banter. That's how we got this process started. Scott and I were bantering back and forth. Right. Um, you know, uh, but um, I think what this speaks to, and I think what a lot of people miss is just how, what kind of depth the college system can and does have. Uh, and, you know, as you talked about some of the names from Chance to Feeks to, you know, um, um, you know, we talk about Matt Harmon and you can talk you know, about Depperschmidt. So you go to and, and you, you when you dig deep, you begin to understand that there is a, uh, there are players to be mined out right. of this system. Absolutely. And now you're actually bringing some more uh, greater structure uh, to allow for them to be noticed. And while that's also happening, you know, what's also happening in college rugby is that they're becoming more of a united front with the uh, NSCRO finding more uh, conferences coming under their banner. You've got, uh, you know, these these conferences that are finding more cohesion, they're working together, together. And ultimately what I would hope is that once these teams start to, these colleges start to see their players finding more prominence, that those colleges will also start to invest in those rugby programs a little bit more. We all know Lindenwood does it, Life does it, we've got St. Mary's, Mary's. You know, there's a whole host of them that already do it. We'd like to be able to see that in the years coming to double, triple, and hopefully we find it that there'll be far more colleges that are willing to be able to have players on scholarship, develop them to professional level. And it's, it's out there, by the way. I think that the young rugby players who played in high school, perhaps played when they were uh, in, in their more formidable years in middle school, um, the, the, those guys are, have their eyes and their sights set on the Major League Rugby, and now they see a pathway. And I, I think the, the draft solidifies that pathway and the potential that they really have to develop their game and, and become a professional athlete in the United States. Right. So let's take an opportunity to be able to recap what's already taken yeah. place. We've, of course, had three rounds in the picks, um, the first of which went, uh, uh, of course, uh, up first was uh, uh, Brian, or actually, sorry, da, uh, Connor Mooneyham, where Brian Nolt, and then Utah went with Derek Ellingson. Uh, next up, we would have the AGs to be able to pick the Gilgronies. I believe that they are just about ready. Or has that timer already started on that, uh, Scott? Can you confirm? Yeah, that timer is already started right now they're, they're talking to Derek Ellingson um I think they're just waiting for uh the, the, the next pick may be mm-hmm. yeah so again it's the AGs are up and and I'm not sure what they're going to pick to be honest because the AGs had have a, a really deep path. the AGs have a good team I think most of their their problems were organizational you know right had, right a lot of changes. There have been a lot of changes. I mean, if you just go yeah. through their recent history since their birth, I mean, it's now in its third version of rugby in Austin. So with that has come management change, team change, branding, players, venues. So I would imagine that they would want to try and find some consistency from this. So build, getting young players, start building a team, less changes is a key focus, uh, and build your, your, your base from the ground up. 
And, you know, one thing I'd like to speak to, you know, about a year or so ago uh, when I started Hammer Rugby, uh, one of the things that I hit upon was the importance of the spine. Okay, so they just, guys, i got to interrupt. They just announced. So going fourth overall is Louis Satama. Going fifth overall uh, overall is Aaron Matthews. And going sixth overall is Justin Tyler Johnson, uh, which is uh, a guy me me and Rob really liked. Um, so that's four, five, and six. I got some updating to do four, here. Four, five, and six. So drafted at four, again, was Louis Satama. That is a first-team All-Liberty Conference 2020 uh, American International College player. Drafted at five is uh, 2019 Rudy Schultz Award finalist for St. Mary's College. Representing them there is Aaron. And uh, we're looking at some of the highlights that are already laid up there in regards to his play. Uh, it really looks like it's some good shots with ball in hand, strong on his feet. I mean, this is exactly what you want to be able to hear and see from a player who's coming to you. So it's great to be able to see uh, uh, these picks coming in hard and fast. I didn't understand it would be four, five, and six back to back. Um, but obviously, again, it's a reflection that they already know who they want. And ultimately, they were fortunate enough to have their their first picks, it seems, not be chosen, um, so they had, could go in for whoever they wanted right away. Well, I think you know Seattle. At pick, Seattle's got somebody who's very dynamic in the backfield. He might, um, you know, Aaron Matthews might be one of the right. best athletes available out of the the entire draft pool. And as we know, know uh, Seattle did have some issues with their backline speed last year. So I think uh, right. not only is this a quintessential pick, but it's something they needed. It's a guy they wanted, and I think that's a home run for Seattle. Well, also, you know, this is one of the players that we had spoken about that is a utility back that can, you know, I say that can uh, that can fit into many different roles, a versatile player. Obviously, what they have drafted as uh, declared as a player is not necessarily what they will be chosen for once they meet their with their team and they start to find their role there in the new squad. Uh, so it's great to be able to have somebody who's versatile. And, uh, you know, this is also with Aaron Matthews, a Rudy Schultz Award finalist. So you're talking among the elite in college rugby. I mean, I believe there was only five names that were up for that uh, award this year. So certainly it's a great credit to the player to be among the best and uh, a great pick for uh, for any MLR team. But of course, on this occasion, it goes to Seattle. And I think going on, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Rob, going on to, to pick six um, in uh, Justin Tyler Johnson, you get a guy whose rugby IQ might not be there, but that's something you can learn. This is the, the entire reason that Seattle has uh, a system the way it – or um, um, not Seattle. New England has the people they have around them. They have a lot of people with rugby IQ. So that's right. something you can teach. So we, well, we at the level of the game, that guys, sorry, seven uh, picks uh, seven through nine. John Powers from Iona College uh, going at number uh, seven. Um, he's, he's a guy who came in – I think he went he – he declared as a center. Um, he's actually a, a number 10. Um, and that goes to Utah Warriors. So, again, I think Utah um, is is hitting home runs with guys that, that are great rugby players and can get minutes right now. Right. The one I'm happy to be able to see is Tommy Clark. That was one of the names that I had picked up. It's a great uh, 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 prospect. Now, with Tommy Clark, I didn't manage to be able to see. I know you was at number nine. Remind me, who was the number nine? Oh, that's pick? Dallas. That's yeah, Dallas. Dallas. So we're Dallas. Gonna I told you guys, the closer and closer, the more obvious it becomes that I'm going to have to be a Dallas fan. I think uh, I, think that's I would have picked a fan. 
You know, Tommy Clark is an All-American under 20, uh, great number seven, uh, great upper body strength, great on his feet. I mean, that's, that's a great pick there. At, uh, at, what do you think about your pick? pick. Uh, I like Tommy just because he's a really flexible player. I think he's right. going to be able to play uh, any of the back three positions. And he's great in the loose, an amazing player in the loose. I would say one of the better players in the draft with his height in the loose with the ball. Well, I'm happy to be able to hear that. So when we did our pre uh, sort of uh, prospect drafts on round one with the MLR Rant podcast a little while ago, Tommy Clark, you may not realize, was one that I had picked as a great number seven. But as you so rightly pointed out, it could be six, seven or eight, given the uh, the, the, the versatility in the player. And uh, the closer it gets, the players that you guys are picking for to represent Dallas in this upcoming season and in this draft, they're some of the ones that I most likely would have chosen myself. So it gets closer and closer to me choosing to be a Jackals fan, you know, since, since the Raptors, glad we can make you happy. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I like it since the Raptors obviously are no more. I'm a free agent myself as a fan. <laughs> All right. So, you know what, that's excellent stuff. So again, just to be able to recap, can we, uh, list those names again uh, at number six. Was, so and yeah. so okay. So I'll go through all. So we have Louis Satima at number four, Aaron Matthews at number five, Justin Tyler Johnson at number six. Is who we're talking about? Woo, is going crazy. John Powers goes to Utah at number seven. Michael Matazero goes to Atlanta Rugby ATL at number eight, and Tommy Clark goes to the Dallas Jackals at number nine. That pick coming via the trade with Rooney. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, that obviously is important there to note. Once again, if you're just tuning in or you're not familiar, Dallas has an extra uh, two picks having traded with Rooney, an international player slot. Uh, so it gives them a great opportunity to be able to find four players out of the draft uh, in this first uh, time up uh, with the draft system. So what, again, what's the, uh, what's the energy down there, Rick? Uh, tell me, what's, uh, what's it like? I know you've got some passionate fans in the background there. I think we're real excited. I think uh, it's showing to us that uh, the Jackals want to play an open system, right. get them out wide and play in space, and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch. And I think uh, Rob and other NOLA fans will agree that uh, that's the kind of product that is going to make MLR popular with non-rugby fans. Hey, Rick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you because we also have picks 10 through 12. So we have uh, Andrew Guerrero going to NOLA Goal. We have uh, Casey Renaud going to Old Glory. We have our boy Patrick Madden selected at number 12 going nice. to the Legion. Well, you have to see this as an obvious pick. Being from Cal Poly, it's in his backyard to be a San Diego player. You know, we were fortunate enough to be able to have uh, Madden on the show a few weeks back. Great lad, wonderful speaker, was awesome to be able to have. And I think that, you know, he's got a great head on his shoulders Patrick uh, interviews very well. He too, of course, was a Rudy Schultz Award finalist for 2020. Uh, he was also the number one uh, player at a high school level in his respective year. So he comes with a, about as great uh, a rugby CV as possible uh, coming out of college. I think what we're seeing here is we're, we're seeing um, guys taking exactly who they want versus yeah. you know, what you see in the NFL where somebody might actually take a pick because of the hype. So uh, it's nice to see that we're, we're actually, they're actually cherry pick, cherry picking guys that they, they know they want. 
Te yeah, right. teams have a plan and idea what what players are looking for that fit into what they want to do and what kind of style they play. Um, you know, I really like a lot of these picks. Uh, as you said, I was uh, Ty. I was really high on Satima going to Austin. Um, a really solid player. Um, you know, has the physique I think to be ready made to get some quality minutes in Major League Rugby and down there in, in Austin. And um, I know that they have. Uh, that, that that you know they they um, have a couple of good back rowers there um, that can feed him the ball and 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 provide him a, a link in there in the midfield. Um, I also you know I want to say the Patrick Madden pick. You know Ty, you hit upon this. To me, that kid um, is is the future of USA Rugby. I mean, he's polished. Right. He is he has got all the tools on the field and he's got all the tools off the field to really represent. The United States. Well, he has a good head on his shoulders. He's a smart, you know, smart player and a smart individual. I really like what he's going to be able to offer San Diego. He's right down there at his home, uh, mm -hmm. and that's and that's really good to see. So we're seeing. I think we're seeing some teams, you know, pick up on players that they know that they can bring into their system. Um, right. Not just and on the know, field, but also off. When it comes to Madden, you know, he's got some great mentorship with experienced players down at uh, San Diego. Uh, you know, the likes of Joe Peterson, of course, uh, we had spoken about that in our interview. I mean, there's a guy that's a great mentor to a yeah. young player who's already an ambassador of the sport at his level. And uh, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, pick. And, you know, in my belief, at, not, at number 10, you could never really have enough depth in that position. So it's great to be able to think that they've got a first generation, second and third. Uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful position to have that much depth in. And, and I think, too, you know, don't forget, look at what Joe Peterson has done over the last two seasons. Well, season and a quarter. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, Joe played at fly half last season, 2019. They were in the finals. They played a hell of a game. Uh, took Seattle to the test, right? Uh, then he comes back from injury uh, in a couple of the last couple of games of this season, and he plays at the fullback position. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Patrick Madden uh, play a little bit of fullback and fill in and get some quality minutes and then ply, you know, really get uh, some quality um, tutoring from Joe at the flyout position as well um, and maybe see him uh, you know, peek in there every once in a while in the 2021 season. So it's really great to see. Congratulations to, to Patrick. Right. And, you know, all of these guys are, are truly wonderful picks and for a variety of different reasons. For us, I think it's really nice to be able to see some that we had the opportunity to speak with on our show on the Major League Rugby podcast. So it's fantastic to be able to see this. I hope that, uh, I, you know, we'll be able to get connect with uh, Patrick Madden and, of course, hear his thoughts whether it be on this occasion or whether it be on another occasion but it'll be i'm sure he's pretty excited about the opportunity to be able to stay close to home and ply his trade uh in his backyard yeah i sent a message out to patrick um he's keen to you know at some point he's keen to join us i'm just waiting to hear back from him so hopefully uh he'll respond and we'll be able to have him on um and talk with him a little bit and all and right him. congratulations so for highlights what you're seeing now is some highlights from uh, Cutstown from Casey Renaud. Um, here's the thing about Casey. He's he's a 6'8 frame, and as you can see in some of these highlights, if you look closely, um, they have him at, listed at 240. He's definitely going to need to bulk up, but I don't think that's going to be a, a problem for him um, being a professional athlete now between all the training resumes and and uh, the nutrition people that are on staff. I think this this kid, if he gets another solid 15 pounds, um, he's rounding out to, to be a good lock. Um, but I do think he's a little undersized as far as weight's concerned for his frame. 
Right. And it's important to be able to note that the physicality, the level of the game or the or level of physicality required uh, at the MLR is going to be a major leap forward from college to rugby. Uh, the game itself takes a massive leap from the amateur to the professional. Uh, so it's interesting to be able to, to, to see how these guys will be able to make their adjustments. Some of them might need to bulk up. Some of them might need to be able to lose a few, uh, depending on where they may be. But uh, I think players that are coming now uh, are, you know, the level of the game at college level has gotten better and better and is probably in one of the best places it could be now. And when you look at the products that have already been chosen, it's a great credit to that. Well, you know, don't forget, we in our previous interviews, we've seen um, two clues as to what that setup is going to look like. So down there in NOLA, they're talking about uh, down there at the gold mine, um, they're actually going to set up their headquarters there. They've talked about setting up uh, everything, um, you know, from weights to to their training table and everything else right down there where they play games. And we know talking with chance last week that the 404 has already made headquarters. They have two kitchens, they have their weight facility. Uh, They have a lot of other places uh, for players to relax and socialize and get to know one another. So we, we see that teams are, are creating the systems and setups that really make for great opportunity. And here we have a guy. Congratulations, Aaron. Thank you so much. How's it going? It's going great. It's really great to have you on, my friend. Congrats. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So so, so uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the process that, that you went through in being prepared to go into the MLR draft. Yeah, so, I mean, I've just been uh, getting ready, doing a lot of um, just working out, trying to stay in the gyms. Um, I've talked to quite a few coaches. Seattle wasn't one of the teams that I've talked to, so it was quite a big of a – it was a shock to me. To be honest, um, it was a good shock, actually. Uh, Seattle's always somewhere where I've always wanted to go. Um, I've always – I've liked Washington, and just the area just sounds awesome. I know the team culture is good. Um, I actually watched them play San Diego about two years ago when they won in the last play of the game, um, and it's always somewhere I've, I've just could see myself playing at. Well, you know, we had uh, Riker Hatting on. Uh, this week we'll be we'll be airing that later on, but he's now going to be a teammate of yours, and he talked highly about the setup out there in Seattle. Uh, the really the um, the the player focused and and the team camaraderie. Um, have you had a chance to talk to anybody in Seattle as of late? I know you didn't have have a chance in the build up, but have you had a chance to talk to anybody there yet? Yeah, so like I said, um, I've talked to quite a few other coaches, um, so therefore I was able to talk to just players that I've either played with or played against uh, for those teams. Um, I didn't, I didn't know Seattle had any interest in me. uh, So I never really reached out to any Seattle players, Um, but I I definitely will be in the next, in the next week. Yeah. I'm sure um, coach keys is going to be on tonight. He's uh, he's one of those guys that that burns the the midnight oil. So I'm sure coach keys will be right on, on you. You know, you got to be excited uh, to team up with guys like Ben Seema um, the, the Sonny Ula. I mean, there is some uh, tremendous talent and tremendous experience to draw on as a backline player. How excited are you to to be able to feed off those guys and be under the tutelage of, of of players of that caliber? Absolutely, uh, Ben Seem. I played with him back in I want to say 2012 or 2013. Uh, it was my first rugby tour to England and then to Argentina. I got to play with Ben Seema, so I've I've known him quite a for quite a while now and uh he's one of my boys so looking forward to it he's a he's a great player 
and I already know the the depth and the the uh, skill level of all their their backs and their forwards. So looking to looking to get some IQ and some better skills out of out of them. Absolutely, you know you gotta love the fact that you're going to a team that's two time champions. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, how great is that? That's a winning culture to be able to take on there. So it's an amazing opportunity. And I'm very happy that you got the uh, the pick for a Seattle. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. I, 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 I'm just stumbling over my words. I don't really know what to say. It's well, you know, it's all that... exciting, man. And obviously it's just fresh news. So it's, it's a great time to be able to just soak it up. Obviously the reality will come to be once you first hit the pitch, you take that ball in hand and you look around, you go, man, I'm here. So it's a Absolutely. pretty exciting time. Just enjoy the journey, man. Enjoy yeah, the journey. And and you're gonna have seventy five hundred. You're gonna have seventy five hundred Rasha Seawolves fans cheering for you, come the twenty twenty one season. I mean, they have some of the best crowds at that stadium. That has got to be an absolute thrill. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to that blue and green. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they truly do have one of the best fans on the stadium. So you are blessed to be able to be where you are. You know, obviously you worked very hard to get to where you are, and I'm sure you deserve every credit that's given to you. So bask in the glory for a few moments. Enjoy yeah. your time in the sun, my friend. Get back to work tomorrow. Yep. Hey, and, 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 <laughs> and we have an open invitation anytime uh, you can join us. Um, you're welcome to join the ML around. We'd love to have you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Cheers. Congratulations. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. Congrats, man. Hey, rugby fans. This is Ty Braga from the MLR Rant Podcast Show. A quick question to you out there. Want to be able to grow your business? Well, you can do that by advertising free with the MLR Rant Podcast Show. And here's how you can do it. Step one is simply contact us to find out more. We'll share all the options available. Step two, choose the package that works for you. Step three, Get it for free. That's right. We're going to give away a free episode for every sponsorship package. So let us know by contacting us at the MLR Rant Podcast Show. Well, wasn't that awesome to be able to hear from Aaron Matthews, of course, being one of the uh, the first pick for Seattle. Uh, phenomenal pick for them there. Somebody with great experience and, of course, uh, at the highest levels of the game to date. So I think it's a great fit for Seattle. Uh, and if you were watching some of his highlights, man, he has he has some insane moves that are really just, you know, all, right. almost for a rugby player. You don't see a lot of of. I mean, you know, we everybody talks about a great step, but I think with uh, with Aaron, he has the ability to kind of what we call in football get skinny, where he can turn his body in such a way to to not be as big of a target for a tackle, or okay. not be a target for a good tackle, so he can slip right. out of them. And, and you know, I'd like to add this piece too. Here's what impressed me about him is his balance. The guy had the kid has just an incredible balance. You know, when you talk about getting skinny and turning his body, he has ability to stay upright, to absorb a tackle, spin off that tackle, and then take the ball forward. And that's probably one of the most impressive things that I saw coming out of his film. Right. We have, and, we have Patrick Madden guys now. We have nice with us. Let's see if we can get him on here. Hey, hey there you go. Congratulations, Patrick. Congratulations. Yeah, you. I think, I mean, you know, it's been fantastic to be able to see you find your new rugby home, man. How do you feel? Um, geez, if I could put that in the words, it, it would be a lot easier. But I mean, I, I'm speechless, you know, uh, getting that call and, you know, 
seeing the name pop up on the screen, it still seems surreal to me. And, you know, luckily I got a lot of good loved ones around me right now and, and I'm just trying to soak it in. I mean, my phone, I'm getting a hundred messages coming right. through. And I just got off the phone with Zach Test and Scott Murray and, you know, they're excited and I'm excited. And, you know, to, <laughs> being that five-year-old kid playing and then now I get to represent my city with a big SD on my chest. I couldn't think of a better, uh, you know, storybook. Uh, and then, so I'm, I'm excited, and, you know. Well, you know, it's fantastic to be able to hear. I know Rob and I were talking about it just beforehand that we think that you are a great ambassador for rugby and what an awesome pick and a great fit Seattle, uh, sorry, San Diego is going to be for you. Thank you. No, I'm excited. I mean, it, it looks like I'll be playing a little bit of everything, uh, some nine, right. some 10. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited for uh, to learn from the best. You know, Zach Tess, Scott, um, the house ahead and just everything in that organization, you know, it's something special. So just to be a part of it, I'm lucky. Right. And talking about the organization, you know, of course, Zach Tess and Murray taking over the reins from Hudley. Uh, they've been a part of that winning culture. What a great uh, pair to be able to carry on that that good work that's already been yeah, laid down in a foundation with Hudley. And of course, uh, San Diego finished on top of a very short season. So at least you'll go mm -hmm. in on a high with the team. The, the, the culture is great. I do think it's going to be a wonderful fit. Rob, I know you wanted to be able to jump in and, of course, say congratulations yeah. and share a few thoughts there. So go ahead. Absolutely. For First of all, congratulations, Patrick. I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled and ecstatic for you. One of the things that I did this week is I found a, um, a piece, an interview that you did with the bonus point. And um, one of the, my takeaways is as a teacher by trade, uh, I was – was uh moved hey rob by... i'm sorry i gotta interrupt i gotta interrupt rob because they just announced the next three picks so dallas has picked uh levy van lennon um from wisconsin whitewater uh team captain he's now drafted uh to uh 13th overall to dallas the guiltinis picking up my boy watson uh from iona um he's a guy that i i told you guys about that, that i think is, has that x factor so that's guiltini's first pick at number 14 and then drafted at number 15 is danny Giannascoli from uh loyola maryland so sorry rob just want to no give worries you that <laughs> i want to get back patrick one of the things that i picked up from the interview and again as a teacher i was completely moved i mean now now you can actually realize your your dream because I got that sense, your dream of being able to be an ambassador to the sport in your hometown, and when when little kids see you on the pitch playing, that they can they can look up to you and say, "I want to be like that guy." Um, talk to us about your experience working with youth rugby players. You talk about the Nike Development Camp and how much that means to be able to to do that in your hometown, in front of your fans, in front of the people that you grew up around. So I said, thank you for those kind words. And the first thing I'd say is you have to be a student in the game. And I feel like I had that. And that's kind of a big aspect of my game. I mean, throughout this draft, you could look at, I do my own paperwork. I got my own stuff written out. Like I, I'm constantly trying to do, to make these dreams happen, I guess. And, you know, something I, I've mentioned in a couple of interviews is I've had this notebook with me. You see it's duct taped. It's filled with everything in it. And I love it. I've had that since I, since I was 12 years old. And at the front cover, it said, I want to be a professional rugby player. And it reached that, you know, that goal is just, I can't get over it. And there's just so many kids here in San Diego and we're just so lucky to have this just talent um, coming through in such a vibrant city and, and our rugby community. And for even a kid to say, you know, that's so cool that Patrick did that and that he has the opportunity to do that. And 
if they think they can do that too, then just chase it. I mean, when I wrote that in my playbook or in, in my notebook, I didn't think I was going to necessarily achieve that dream, but I was going to do everything in my, my will to, you know, put that, make that dream come to fruition. And, you know, it, it happened. So like with Nike, the guys that come through, the kids that come through Nike, um, the kids that are just coming through their local club, they have the opportunities, they have the foundation. And I think you can't get that in many cities, but luckily you can in San Diego. And so I'm, I'm lucky to be continuing my career right here in San Diego. So, so, so uh, there is another uh, player of, of note that has uh, been playing in the world rugby scene. Uh, Richie McCaw had a saying for what you just described because he too had a journal and, it, and, it, and he said, if it's not written, it's not real. And um, I think that's, a, that's an important lesson that you put out there for the kids that you mentor and how important it is to write down your goals because then they become real, they become actual and you have to strive to achieve them. Um, so, uh, t tell us, you know, how does this, how does this experience now pair up with the realization that those goals are coming to fruition? Jeez. Um, you know, I, it hasn't set in yet. You know, when you, when you write that stuff as, as I get <laughs> a 13, 12 year old, whatever I was, you're like, Oh, this would be cool. But now that you see your name pop up on the screen, you have people texting you, you have Head coaches guys, and so Andy did it. No, no worries. Uh, yeah, I'm interrupting you again. So with uh, um, <laughs> pick 16 going down to the Gilgronies, uh, we have Mason Koch, uh, Hooker. We got our first first Hooker going uh, at number 16. Sorry, continue, Patrick. <laughs> no worries. No, and it just for it all to play out and have those. Uh, and like you said, you write that stuff down. You you speak it into existence, and I feel like I've done that. And um, I've done my, my research and I've done my work on and off the field and to have the opportunity to now say I am a professional rugby player and I get to say that in, in black and red and San Diego Legion colors, you know, uh, it's something special. And I, I could tell you my five-year-old me back in the day is screaming, just absolutely <laughs> losing his mind. And I'd say the 21-year-old me is about to do the same once we jump off this call. <laughs> well, it is an exciting time, so you should be happy and it's glad to be able to hear that you got friends and family to be able to celebrate it with you because, of course, that's what it's all about. We do it for the love of the game. We do it for the enjoyment. Okay. And if we can do it with those around us that also enjoy it, well, all the better, right? One question. Yes, sir. I'm not letting <laughs> you run past your kick in this one. I'm looking for an answer. You have one year left of eligibility in college. Are you going to see that out or are you going to look to join the San Diego Legion in 2021? You know, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm, I'm finishing, uh, I'm taking summer classes and I'll be able to graduate and, you know, we'll see how it goes. But okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. Hey, guys. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Patrick. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Patrick. So we have Seattle coming. We have uh, Seattle coming with a Lindenwood guy, Nick Taylor, uh, center at a Lindenwood. I'm sure Rob's happy. Uh, he's yep. actually yep. Uh, a Canadian, I believe. Yes, um, yes. That's with the. Uh, the the uh, 17th pick. And then now, now we also have with the 18th pick, the, um, the free Jacks. Spencer to, Kruger. Yep. New England free Jacks on the 18th pick. It's moving, about the, yeah, moving fast. It's what's interesting about the Taylor pick. You saw Seattle pick two backline players. So it, it gives you right. an indication of, of where they think, where they feel they need to add some strength and think about, they have two young players that can, be paired up and play together for several years and really learn to develop some continuity between the two of them. 
Right. And if you have them as pairing, you know, as you say, you kind of you have them grow in the game together side by side. I mean, you can think of some of the greatest partnerships in rugby not being nine and 10, but being 12 and 13. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to be able to see these duos and maybe that's what they're thinking is that you need to build these rugby partnerships and these mentorships that grow a next generation of those uh, those key positions. So it's nice to be able to see them thinking about backline. It might mean more running rugby. It might mean that they want to be able to just have more versatility. They might want to be able to uh, to, to think about the uh, the physicality of the game, you know, how tough a game Seattle has always played. You know, they throw a lot of weight into every uh, run, into every tackle. Uh, so it's it's great to be able to see, uh, have them have the confidence to be able to put in some, some young talent in the back line instead of going for the heavies up front. And it looks like uh, the FBA and the draft has taken a quick break. So perhaps now is a great time to be able to do a quick recap of who has been chosen in the recent draft picks. Uh, yeah, so here I'll run it down um, with the first pick overall in the 2020 Major League Rugby Draft, Connor Mooningham from Life University. Uh, with the second pick, Nola picked up uh, a prop, Brian Nolt from Central Washington. Uh, number three, Utah, who uh, gained uh, Houston's pick, Derek Ellingson from St. Mary's. Uh, at number four, Austin picked up uh, Louis Satama uh, from AIG. Uh, number five, Seattle had picked up from St. Mary's Aaron Matthews. We had him on earlier. Um, you know, again, uh, what a tremendous, uh, uh, young man to speak with. Um, number six, New England picked up Justin, uh, Tyler Johnson from life. Um, number seven is Utah's John Power. or sorry, Utah picked up John Powers from Iona. Oh, oh yes, yes, Iona. Got, yeah, the, the big guy's got to be happy about that. Uh, Atlanta, no Rooney in it, so he's got to pick the yeah. closest thing. That's right. <laughs> um, the guy set foot in, in the state of New York, which we like. Um, uh, at number eight, Atlanta picked up Mike Matarazzo from uh, Notre Dame. Uh, number nine, Dallas, uh, again with Rooney's pick, picked up uh, Tommy Clark from AIC. Uh, at number 10, Nola picked up Andrew uh, Gara. Um, at number 11, DC picked up Casey Renault. Uh, number 12, we just had him on San Diego, uh, picked up, uh, Patrick Madden from Cal Poly, um, number 13, Dallas. And I see Dallas there on the screen. There he is, Rick. Yep. He's got his jackals where it going. Um, they picked up nice pick here. Uh, uh, Levi Van Lannan from the university of Whitewater. Uh, that's a hop, skip and a jump from where I'm at. Um, spent a little time right up there in Whitewater. So I love that pick Uh big guy, a lock. Uh, should add uh, should add some much needed uh, depth to their uh, uh, tight five. Uh, at number fourteen, LA picked up um, Philicatonga, and is it was what was his first name? Um, Watson. Watson Philicatonga. He's another Watson. Iona guy. My boy. Watson. That was your um, pick. Yeah. Great to be a Gale. I told you he was getting drafted. <laughs> um, number fifteen again, Houston. Uh, their pick was traded to Utah. Dan Giascolani, Gian Ascoli. Um, number 16, Austin selected uh, a hooker. Mason, I think it's Cook, K-O-C-H. Um, number 17. Yeah, Cook, something like that. K-O-C-H. I think it's, I think it's Cook, but I could be wrong. Uh, number 17, Seattle picked up uh, LU product. Go Lions. Uh, Nick Taylor. And then uh, number 18, New England. 
uh, picked up Spencer Kruger. And uh, Utah is on the board at number 19. I expect to see Utah, Atlanta, and Dallas right. uh, make successive picks. Well, let's head back over to Rick there in uh, Dallas and see what he thinks about the recent pick. I uh, really like it. Again, we're looking at guys that are extremely creative out in space. Uh, another guy who was a center at um, uh, White Rapids, but I think he looks like he's probably more of a wing slash maybe a fullback uh, in development. He's got a long way to go, though. I think I think he's definitely a uh, high risk, high reward type player for us. Right. I mean, it's interesting to be able to see that, you know, Perhaps Dallas is fortunate enough in the position they are. There's there's no idea of an expectation. They haven't had a season that they've played. So they can experiment with these young players because there isn't that much expectation. You know, if you were going into a team like Seattle or San Diego, there is a much higher expectation. So it's nice to be able to have a, a variety of picks for Dallas uh, see where those players work. Be willing to be able to shift them. Continue working with them. Hey guys, and find that right spot. We have uh, pick nineteen coming in from Utah. Picks up the big guy Elijah Hayes, the biggest guy in the draft. Right. Um, you know he's a heavy eater. Uh, we talked about him in our in our pre-draft uh, roundup. Um, so that's a big, big. I mean, I, for Utah going, I think three picks in the back line. And then picking up the biggest guy in the draft, literally the biggest guy in the draft to, to right. bolster up. Right, 6'3 and um, 280 pounds is a big boy. And, and, he, and he's quick. The thing is, he's quick. Yeah, right. he's got good feet for sure. And yep. that's the key. You know, you want to be able to be strong in your feet, hold that, cross the advantage line. When you think about players, this is the type of player that you might want to be able to have when you think about those guys that gain that extra meter on almost every carry. I was going to say, he really matches what Utah wants to do um, on on every play. Not only that, but uh, even close to the goal line. They, right. they want to go to get that extra meter uh, up front. Right. I mean, rugby is a game of, uh, of territory and, and, and you know, gaining and uh, possession. So every little bit counts. And when you got those guys that have that ability, all the better for you. Hey, one of the things uh, that hasn't been talked about, I know that uh, the Jackals have been drafting picks, but this last week's been a big week for us in announcing our coaching staff in our ownership and our GM, our management group, uh, with Phil Cam, Elaine Bassey. Hey, guys. I should have a little bell. Rugby UTL with the 20th pick selects John Scotty, a guy out of the backfield, and we're also getting the 21st pick. Um, Dallas selects Bronson Tellis. Bronson Tellis. You had that pick there, didn't you, uh, Scott? No, was that yeah, Rob? I had that pick? No, that was Rob. Yeah. Tom had him on the list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it he makes, is a, another big boy, though. So it looks like you're getting right. some muscle in the team. That's for sure, Rick. So I'll say that two of my picks for uh, the Jackals came true. I had Miniham and uh, Bronson Tellis coming to Dallas. Very exciting. And talking about the uh, the Dallas uh, staffing and uh, coaching lineup, uh, I see Phil Cam has just taken uh, the opportunity to go on camera on the FTF feed and is uh, talking about, of course, the new opportunity to uh, to launch and to be able to talk about the team itself. So it'll be interesting to be able to follow that, and we hope to be able to reach out to the uh, coaching team. I know Rob has had the opportunity to reach out to Elaine uh, to be able to talk about the opportunity to have them join us on the MLR rant. 
Uh, Rick, we'll of course be hearing more of this from your side as well as we stay abreast with what the changes may be. It's obviously a new team putting together, but it's great to be able to see their presence loud and clear early. And uh, that's wonderful to be able to have a part of the, the MLR. Rick, I, I love that pick with Bronson Tellis. First of all, he's a Texas guy, so he's going to be able to play close to home. His dad played rugby in South Africa, and so is, you know, I'm sure his parents are going to be strong supporters. But here's why I really like this pick. I think he's got some versatility in his game. He's a big kid. He's got, what, 260, 6'2", 260. I really see him fitting on well on the blind side, uh, But he list, although he's listed as a lock. Um, and, you know, could we see Dallas develop him if they needed uh, to bolster their, you know, somewhere up front on, uh, you know, either as a proper or something of that nature? What do you think? I So um, I see him as a six to Tommy Clark seven at this point, just in, in theory about how they would structure their draft picks. But I also see him as a uh, type of player that uh, – um, could be in the front row as a hooker if he was trained properly. Um, I think his size, his skill set is perfect to be a hooker in the uh, modern game. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as well. When it is interesting to see him be able to pair with Tommy Clark, right? You know, two young guys being able to link up uh, in, in combination in the loose, uh, that would be a tremendous force to be reckoned with uh, over the next couple of seasons. Right, exactly that. And hearing about the next couple of seasons, you know, I was just uh, had an ear in on the uh, conversation with Phil Cam, and uh, it's exactly that. You're talking about building a team. You know, the expectations are different. They're ready to be able to make sure that they pick the right guys with the long distance in mind. So they're not thinking next season. They're thinking three seasons ahead. And that's why picks like this are important because it really does fit into the strategy. Uh, the growth model of the team, uh, and ultimately these players get to grow with the culture and be a part of that foundation right from the get-go. So it's amazing to be able to see four guys going to Dallas in this draft. Hey, Ty, I was I was trying to think of who you reminded me of, and I think he reminds me a lot of uh, Hammershade, uh, yeah. who was formerly with uh, Colorado and New York. Yeah. I, you know, I said the same thing, Rick, when we talked about him a couple episodes ago, that he reminded me a lot of Hanko. Um, right. Just a you know, big body, aggressive, uh, good feet, um, willing to get his nose dirty. That's that's a great pickup. I love it. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Tie it right up. You know. So we are up to twenty picks. Is that right, Scott? Twenty-two. Uh, Twenty-one. Twenty-one. So, what was the uh, the the most recent pick? If you can just fill us in on uh, nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one. So um, we had Elijah Hayes going at 19, uh, obviously the biggest guy in the draft we were talking about. John Scotty going to rugby ATL. He's a backline player, a uh, good pickup for rugby ATL. And Brian Tellis, who we just uh, did a whole thing on. Right. So now so, we have to be able to move on to 22. Of course, it does settle at uh, 24 uh, picks on uh, the inaugural draft. Uh, naturally, that means that uh, Toronto is not making any picks. Uh, Colorado Raptors are out. So that leaves only uh, 12 teams to be able to make their pick of two each. There have been some changes. So some teams will not be picking, which will be Rooney. And uh, then also, uh, gosh, why am I forgetting the other one? Uh, it's uh, Houston. Houston, of course, yeah, because they had traded uh, uh, Povey, uh, Scrum half to be able to join their team and given those picks to Utah. 
So we stand with two more picks to be able to go. We're going to do a wrap up at the end for anybody that's watching uh, our podcast here. Again, thank you for joining us. We hope that you've enjoyed a different look at some of these picks. We spent much time being able to research them. We're happy to be able to see some of those names come to fruition, be picked, and will be joining the MLR, or at least given the opportunity to do so. In particular, we've been able to connect with Patrick Madden, who has been chosen to be able to join Seattle. Uh, sorry, I stand corrected. San Diego. We had the opportunity with Aaron Matthews, who has been picked with Seattle. And uh, we hope to be able to hear from a couple more players. And uh, we'll keep you abreast with what the changes and what the picks are. It's exciting times for Major League Rugby as well as it is for college rugby. So from myself, gentlemen, what do you, uh, I wanted to ask you, what do you think so far about the momentum in the pick? I heard one of the uh, the announcers on the show also express that it was far too quick for their liking. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think when, in my vision, I would have seen, I like the five minutes. I think, you know, drawing it out to 10 or 15 minutes is a little too much. I like the five minutes, but, you know, announcing uh, three picks in rapid succession, I think kind of um, anesthetizes us a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you know, we got to figure out how to, you know, talk about all these players uh, as it becomes public. And, and you know, I wonder if some of the people at home that are watching are feeling the same way. They don't have the chance to digest each player one by one. Um, what are your thoughts, big guy? Um, you know, I think with, you know, considering they're doing it on their own Facebook page, you know, they don't have the TV um, restraints that the NFL does when they do their live draft. So I find it interesting. They've decided that George Killebrew is just going to announce these picks um, one after the other in, in sets of three. Um, I, 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 as a fan, I, I don't really appreciate that. Obviously, as somebody trying to cover the draft, I don't appreciate that. I mean, yeah. they, my point is if we finish up the draft in the next 10 minutes, we, for an extra half an hour, we could have done it a little bit more individualized. Right. And you know, player hasn't gotten their due if they're doing it. Right. And this is what I was going to say. Okay. So one, two, and three in quick succession, the first name gets the, uh, gets the first uh, notice. Right. So then you start talking about that one, Uh, three, you're by the time you actually get done talking with one, you've skipped, had to skip the second pick. So I don't think everybody's getting a fair opportunity to be spoken about for their reel to be shared, uh, to be able to, to be given the the opportunity to be noticed. Right. And of course, that's why we're here is to be able to review this. We'll obviously have an opportunity to be able to talk about it a little more detail. It's moving at such a quick pace though uh, that even the commentators who or the announcers and the presenters of the draft have to be able to make a note saying it's moving too quickly for their liking at the draft party in dallas is saying a lot of the dallas fans are saying there's not enough analysis for each pick so while obviously they know bronson tellis is like a hometown guy you know there are other picks they feel like they want a little more analysis on to say you know who is this guy because again we're talking about not only people who are new to rugby but people who are new to collegiate rugby and you might have been a fan of the premiership or super rugby but right mostly have you followed d1 you know uh, mm-hmm. rugby and uh, you know even on us like you know me and rob kind of have more of a pulse on collegiate rugby than ty just because of the circumstance of it, so, right? And yeah. and even then, even then, the big guy, you you have a a very good pulse and stuff that's happening up there in the Empire uh, Conference and and what's happening with Iona 
and some of the other East Coast colleges. I'm familiar with what's happening in the in the um, Mid South and with Lindenwood. Uh, but you know, quite frankly, with with you know 900 college programs spread across the whole entire United States, it's the, the average fan of the MLR doesn't have a chance to you and, know hey, Rob, find out uh, more about these guys. Go ahead. We have your boy Steve McLeish getting picked up. He is a Giltini at number 22. Aha. Oh that was also one of my picks that I was happy to be able to see. I thought he was a stellar player from the reel that I had seen. Very happy to be able to hear that McLeish finds a, a home in, in rugby. And uh, disappointed in, in a way that it wasn't for Dallas because I thought he would have been a good pick there. I think I'm leaning towards being a Dallas fan more so than a Giltini fan. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're just going over some of the notes that I had listed about McLeish that I had written from one of our previous uh, episodes when we had covered some of the, the, the top picks there. And uh, McLeish is a Lindenwood player, hooker, great to be able to see. I had noted that he was a great front rower. Um, in the one 3, three pod attack, he was that leading uh, arm and uh, managed to be able to wait till that last key moment to be able to either release the ball to a run-on player or to be able to take the contact but still hold his arms above the tackle, releasing the ball for that run-on player. Hey, guys, also the 23rd pick of the draft came in. DC selected Matthew Gordon with the 23rd pick. Matthew uh, Gordon, did you say? Correct. I got to admit, that's one that wasn't on my list. So if you gentlemen have something to share there, let me know. Well, he's a second-row player. Um, you know, the DJ and Coyle and um, uh, Joff uh, had him going, like, within the first, I think, uh, two or three picks. Uh, I really felt like they thought second rows would be a uh, premier position. Um, I, I thought he would go early, earlier as well. So, right. He has a, So he has a great pedigree in rugby yeah. coming up to the Glasgow Academy, so it's, it's surprising to me that he didn't go you know, a little earlier. Exactly. So um, that's uh -huh. I, I like I like that pick a lot. You know, I really do. I think that bolsters their pack. Um, you know, I don't know if the beast is coming back, but certainly, um, you know, having somebody like that to mentor him and scrummaging, even though it's in the second row, giving an idea where he wants him uh, as a second row player myself. That communication between the prop and the lock, I think, is critical and batting down and securing that scrum. You know, always having those conversations of where do you like me? Where do you want? You know, where do you want me to set my feet? Where do you want? Um, you know, uh, uh, my shoulder, uh, you know, where do you want me to position myself? And, and that's, um, I think, uh, absolutely, um, you know, vital. If, if hey guys, we have our out. last pick, our last pick in the draft. Um, well, rugby fans, once again, thank you for all the support you've given us here at the MLR Rants Podcast Show. So please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel, hit the bell icon for notifications, or follow us on social media. This has been presented by the MLR Fan Zone. Carl uh, Zocconi, that was the one that yeah. I had to have my list, so I'd like to be able to take the floor on this one, gentlemen. Zocconi. Um, Cole Zocconi. Um, it's funny because in the NFL, the last player taken in the draft is always called Mr. Irrelevant. Um, but considering we have a two-round draft, I don't think that that really is something we can That's go That's not the case with such a small uh, uh, group of players to be able to pick from. Uh, and it doesn't. I don't necessarily think that it shows intent that, okay, that was our last pick. That was like what we had left over type thing. I, I noted him as one of the players that I would have picked when we did our show uh, you know, a little while back. Um, so I had noted that he, in my opinion, he was MLR at least bench ready. 
Obviously, it's pretty much the same for a lot of these. Um, but as a winger, he had the ability to be able to step inside. He came out of his position. He had a good insight to be able to know where he needed to be to be able to receive that ball uh, and hit the gap at pace. So he could easily change his line of attack pretty hey quickly, guys, uh, which we is have, great. We have Steve McLeish here who just got drafted. steve Hi, how's it going? What's up, hey. Welcome to the show, bud, and congratulations. I'm sure you're excited. How congrats, do you feel? Congrats. Thank you. Uh, it feels really good. I've got uh, some friends and family. Interestingly, actually, uh, one of those friends happens to be Rob's over there. His uh, his son, Preston's yeah. down here uh, for the draft. We're just having, having him and a couple of them. So I've got friends and family down here. So it's been really good to see this. And yeah, seeing so, especially that I got to go with some friends as well, right. such as Nick Taylor, Andrew Guerrero I played in, a bunch of players that I played with with U20s. It's really good to see everyone moving on to the next level. Again, you know, Steve-O, it, it speaks highly, right, that that we had two, I mean, of three players that entered the draft from LU, two of those three got drafted in the first 24 spots. You know, um, talk to us a little bit about your, your process and, and thinking as you – began to consider entering the draft and making some decisions about what you wanted to do with your rugby future? So it was a lot of decision-making for me because obviously I wanted to play at the highest level I could. Um, I actually have, interestingly, three years of eligibility left in collegiate rugby because of age of coming in, when I graduate and so on. So, And because of the COVID-19, I got an extra year of eligibility. So I could have been probably the first postgraduate transfer if I chose to. <laughs> but um, I think being able to play at the highest level I can and having this opportunity, it's a no-brainer for me. Absolutely. And and how excited are you to have the, the those wonderful colors, the pink and, and baby blue emblazoned on your chest as you set your sights on the coast, the West Coast? So interestingly, my mum and dad were say, said when they showed the uh, Giltinis their um, preview that showing with everyone talking, uh, they actually said, uh, oh, you'd look really good because actually somewhere in here, I one of the things I wear is, uh, and is in one of my YouTube videos on my cooking channel, um, <laughs> a baby blue shirt. With pink shorts, I so told you it fits really well. It seems that's like it was just—I think that's the third time somebody has confirmed yeah. the color palette is awesome, Rob. So, uh, so you're at a loss, dude. Three zero. Hey, you know, I think he wore that every night down there in Panama City Beach this last spring break, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, give me well some credit. Well, I changed well it at least a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's going to be an exciting time, though. And, you know, obviously it's still yet to be revealed who some of your teammates will be. Uh, we obviously can expect some of the Raptors seniors to be a part of that fold. Um, you know, we've already revealed one great one with Blake Rogers, uh, who's going to be an amazing asset in any team, whether he, wherever he may have been. So I'm sure wherever you're, who's going to be there, it's going to be good company out there for you. Yeah, I'm really excited to meet new teammates. Hopefully have some mentors in the, who've played at the professional level like those Raptors guys and learn as much as I can as, and hope be an asset to the team.
right? Be a sponge, man. Be a student of the game. Give it your best. And you know what? It's going to be an exciting time. You said that you were enjoying this moment with friends and family. So I'm sure that there's going to be celebrations a little bit off camera. And uh, it, it is an amazing time. Great time to be a part of rugby in the U.S. So uh, congratulations on making history as being a part of the uh, first MLR Collegiate Draft. Thank you so much. Congrats. Thank you. Enjoy. What an excellent uh, uh, energy and, and feeling it must be when you're waiting in that anticipation to have your name picked. I mean, these guys are among the elite right now. To be a part of 24 names out of a possible 400 candidates is amazing. So they've obviously, regardless of what happens after this, they're a part of something special already. Yeah, absolutely. And um, go ahead, Scott. Well, I was I was just doing some analysis, and me and Rick were kind of talking offline about um, the the fact that there wasn't that many uh, scrum half fly half picks. And I actually have a theory about that. And if you notice, when we did our our show, our pre draft show, we said there's a lot of guys who declared a different position other than scrum half and fly half. And right. I think that's due to a lot of teams already have that set up. Not only do they have a scrum half, they have their backup, they have their fly half, and they have their backup. I know that's that's true with Rooney, but going forward, obviously, as you, if you have a under twenty three team, under twenty two, under sixteen team. Hey, Dallas! Hey. Let's take a moment to be able to thank all of Dallas fans there to be able to join us. And again, from you, Rick, and the guys out there, thank you for uh, jumping in and being a part of our. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, I think unofficially, I think I'm, I I don't know if I'll make it official yet, but I'm definitely leaning towards being a jackal. <laughs> I'll send you a shirt. I love it, man. I love it. I think that's awesome. I'll be happy to wear it because I mean, if it's that or the guillotinis, I go with the jackals. Yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, bud. We've enjoyed every moment of it, and we hope that you guys have too. All right. Once again, we are here on the Major League Rugby Rant podcast show. You just had an opportunity to hear from Rick Collins down at Dallas, who, of course, was able to be able to bring a few of his new fan buddies to be together to be able to enjoy the draft for the first time. And uh, it is amazing to be able to see the culture that they're already growing around rugby right there. They got an identity with the Jackals and the Den, so they're doing some great work. And that's what it's about. Not only is it uh, the rugby but it's the uh, the rugby fans. You know, this is why I'm happy that the draft was finally decided after much debate that they would share it with the fans. And we're very happy that here on the MLR rant, we were fortunate enough to be a part of that in our small way. Um, so it's really going back to my theory. So I think a lot of scrum half and fly halves declared as a different position, knowing that some of the teams might have already been set up in those positions, but also knowing that they have the skill. So I think it was more of a, a mind thing for a player to say, hey, you know, pick me up as a center. Centers are kind of a little more – centers and wings are kind of a, have a, are of a fluid position as far as who a coach might want because it may, may depend on the day, the team, and the style. So I think you saw that a lot versus picking up somebody who's truly a scrum half or a fly half. But like we said with men, you know, Patrick Manning can play scrum. He could play fly. He could play – Right. He could play any position in the back row. John Powers, who was traditionally a fly half, came in and declared as a different position. Same thing. Um, I think he's going into – a, a team in Utah where he could eventually take over at fly half if, if, if they want him to. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's important. I mean, that's exactly what we had spoken about in our previous uh, episode where we covered some of the prospects, at least for round one. And I very much was a believer that I was looking at guys and I come back to the last, uh, uh, well, not the last, I think it was the pick at 20. No, it was the last pick, Zarconi, right? Mm -hmm. At 24. Um, so that was one that I found interesting because he, you know, declared as a 14 would be great as a 13, obviously as a 12 as well. So it's nice to be able to see the diversity that these guys can play, um, the versatility, should I say. Um, so it's wonderful to be able to see that. And uh, it's interesting, as you said as well, none of the key top positions of fly off, well, not none, but scrum off and fly off. Uh, were chosen because they have established players and they've got their second pick and they've got that next generation in mind already. Yeah. So right now, let's take an opportunity to be able to recap all of the final picks, shall we? Sure. Do you want to do it or, or you want me to do it, Scott? Uh, you can do it, Rob. Let's get you some screen time here. Okay. okay uh, number one, the first pick in the draft, 2020, uh, Connor Mooneyham. Number two, with Nola's pick, Brian Nolt. Uh, number three, uh, Utah selects Derek Ellingson. Uh, number four, Austin selects Louis Satama. Number five, Seattle selected Aaron Matthews. Uh, number six, New England selected Justin Tyler Johnson. Number seven, Utah selected John Powers. Number eight, Atlanta selects Mike uh, Matarazzo. Number nine, Dallas uh, picked up Tommy Clark. Number 10, Nola selects Andrew Gara. Uh, number 11, um, D.C. selected Casey Renault. Number 12, San Diego selects Patrick Madden. Number 13, Dallas selects Levi Van Lannan. Uh, from a Division II team, by the way, uh, University right. of uh, – and, by the way, a good a good pedigree of second rowers. I believe uh, USA's um, Nick Savetta is from uh, Whitewater. Uh, number 14, uh, uh, L.A. picks up uh, uh, Watson Filatonga. Philicatonga, excuse me. Number 15, Utah picks up Dan Giannascoli. Uh, number 16, Austin picks up Mason Cook. Number 17, Seattle picks up Nick Taylor. Number 18, New England picks up Spencer Kruger. Number 19, Utah selected Elijah Hayes, the big man from Iowa Central Community College. Number 20, Atlanta picks up John uh, Scotty. Number 21, Dallas selected Bronson Tellis from the state of Texas. Uh, number 22, uh, L.A. picked up Stephen McLeish. Uh, number 23, uh, D.C. picks up Matthew Gordon. And the final pick in the 2020 Major League Rugby draft, number 24, San Diego, picks up Cole Zarconi. I think overall I had about three or four picks there, um, which if you count it out of 24, is probably not a great record. <laughs> well, I think the through line, and I, I, you guys can agree or disagree with this, is that, again, guys picked based upon need and who they liked. I think right. this year is going to be a little different because I think next year they will get to see the guys in a, in a bigger light. Um, we know Coach Osborne was saying, you know, he, he had – Spoken to a bunch of guys. He didn't really get to see them. Um, he didn't really get to see a lot of tape. But I think going into next year and knowing the process, and I think the MLR, I have a feeling he's going to start this collegiate process earlier so that we oh, have sure. more time to figure out eligibility because, as we know, people had eligibility issues and visa issues. Um, so I think it, there is some growing pains with it. There's some growing pains with, obviously, the production of, of the, the draft uh, television aspect of it. But overall, I think the through line was the teams picked who they wanted regardless of who was on the board. Right. Yeah, and and I think to, you know, add it into that, 
you know, will we see Major League Rugby with one year of experience under the belt? You know, uh, again, given the limitations of COVID, um, they they given the fact that this is a new experience, will they then begin to think about okay, we're going to do some kind of uh, bring the players in and and some kind of um, uh, what do you call a combine, it? A, a combine, combine camps, where yeah. where teams can kind of see those players, uh, you know, lift a little bit, uh, perform some you know rugby specific. Uh, drills, perhaps see them in some uh, situations, see how they, you know, your forwards, how they run a line out for your, you know, mm-hmm. second row and back row, see how your players com- uh, combine and and work the ball in the back line. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they go to that direction next season. It's funny. I would like to see in a combine. So obviously players will have individual drills, right? But right. I feel like Team USA should be involved in the team aspect and say, hey, every coach can watch the players. The Team USA coaches, the forwards coaches, and backs coaches are going to step in and run the team drills. So that way every coach in the MLR has, and every scout in the MLR has an opportunity to see what's going on you know, all overall. And I think that's a good way to, to bring you know, USA Rugby into the fold and, and kind of cross over a little bit. That's so a you're really saying one camp but all the coaches present and it's a, it's a scouting opportunity – yeah, it's it's the, the the combine. So the combine generally in the NFL is you have, right. have all the coaches go and the players do these things. But unlike football, where it's they have specialized things each player has to do, like pass blocking, run blocking, different types of drills. You know, rugby's a little more free flowing. So right. I would like to see is have Team USA coaches step in to run the team drill aspect of it. So that way, you you obviously know how. Team USA runs their organization. You know how they run their offense. So now you can see somebody knowing the offense they run, run what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Uh, the, the the added benefit of doing that too, because I agree completely, Scott, is you can actually see some players um, head-to-head, you know, right next to one another, right? Like some of the USA coaches, they've definitely seen guys like Madden, and I know McLeish and uh, a few other guys. I think Satama has been involved in the – or uh, Tommy Clark, excuse me, has been involved in the U20 setup. And so they've gotten eyes on those guys. What about some of the guys that they haven't seen? Now you get an opportunity. USA gets an opportunity to see some of these young guys, you know, work against or work with some of the some of the known commodities. And so it might broaden their scope of who they might look to to develop. Right. And, you know, there's no, undoubtedly so many of these players were at a disadvantage this year entering because there wasn't enough game time. There wasn't enough game tape. And uh, we don't know how readily it was shared between these colleges and the MLR coaches. So yeah, it's been a very unique situation as it is the same for any sporting landscape around the world. Um, But I definitely agree that next year we'll probably start earlier in the process. Um, They'll monitor certain players. I mean, out of this they may very well have many of those guys that were a part of those 400 plus that had been candidates will still continue playing their college rugby would be eligible next year again. So they at least can put themselves on the radar and continue to be evaluated. How closely we don't know. Obviously there's going to be a lot of analysis after this, not only about the process, but the players and then of course the teams and why they made a pick them. And we're going to be staying uh, on top of that as best we can throughout the process. What I wonder, though, is if we look back and we figure out which colleges were the perceived most successful. Do you um, have um, well, uh, So I have a lot of them. I'm missing some colleges from guys like uh, Gian, Escal- uh, uh, Gian 
Gascoli. I wrote it down. Gianascoli. Gianascoli. Uh, Mason Cook, um, John Scotty. Um, I should have Gordon and Zar Zarconi Central Washington. They did really well today. Um, I think they had uh, they had Nolt. Um, they had uh, Zarconi. Um, LU had two two players with Taylor and McClish. Uh, Life really did well with Mooneyham. That's not a shock. Johnson um, and uh, Iona had two guys. Iona Iona had two guys. So it's been um, a thread then. Yeah. AIC had a couple. St. Mary's had a couple. Yeah. Other Gales, we call them the other Gales. Yeah. The other Gales. Mm. So it's fairly well spread, but yet there are still obviously those familiar favorites up there that are producing quality players year after year, obviously quality programs. Um, so I know that uh, Madden uh, is uh, Cal Poly. Was there another from there? Uh, there was another player from Cal Poly that entered the draft. Um, I didn't. I don't know if they got picked up. Okay. I, don't I didn't know if he had a teammate that was joining him there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting to be able to see. Ultimately, what do we think about how the, uh, the, the draft itself was conducted, though? What are your thoughts there, guys? Um, as, a, as, a, as a rubber stamp it, I'd rubber stamp it. I believe this was a, success, a, a successful MLR draft for mm -hmm. what MLR could do considering the situation with COVID. And don't get me wrong. I think without COVID, it still would have been a bumpy ride for them. But I definitely think they could have – the, the they would have had more interaction with players prior to to the draft. I, again, there probably would have been open tryouts, which I'm sure that the well, you know, open practices, which I'm sure the teams would have put on as as something that they wanted to do. So I think um, you know, it's overall it was a good experience. Uh, do we we all want to see more rounds, right? I think we can go at least one or two more rounds with this, right? Uh, but other other than that, and other than the the production side of it with the picks, I, I I'd say it was a success. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, looking at the, the viewers online, I mean, on the watch party, it was consistently close to about 2,000 people that were watching at any given time, um, which rivals any um, feed that I've seen when they post the games that are live too. So it's pretty interesting to be able to use that. I mean, it's the only metric you've got to be able to consider it a success is what past experience. This has never been done before. So I think they did a fairly good job. My only criticism might be that they should have given it more time between each pick to be able to offer a further and deeper analysis. I mean, if you're, for the most part, as a viewer, being introduced to these players for the very first time, I think you could have given them more time to understand who they are and why they're considered as a great pick and what contribution they can offer to those teams. Yeah, and and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Even if you know who they're going to pick, the pick is in, let the pick the previous pick breathe for that five minutes and then announce the new one. Let's face it. The nice thing about rugby over and above American football is you can see the players faces, right. uh, you know, on TV. Uh, if, you know, it's such a quaint setting in most of these stadiums with, you know, three, four, five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people you get to see. And, and especially in the meet and greets, actually meet the players, you know, um, let them become a known quantity to the team's, uh, fans that are out there so that right. uh, they they get to know who their team picked. Um, I think next year uh, it would be really nice to see, uh, you know, more more things like what Dallas and what NOLA were doing in terms of watch parties. Obviously, there's limitations because of COVID. Um, those two states have uh, are, are more opened up. Um, but I just, yeah, that was my criticism, Ty. I agree. Um, 
little bit more, allow the, allow the picks to breathe. Let us become familiar. Let us allow for a little bit of talk and a little bit of discussion um, and, and let that energy kind of build as we move through the draft. Yeah. So I'm currently on the uh, the same feed for us and looking at some of the, the, the notes. I wanted to be able to take an opportunity to be able to shoot a message to those that are still on the, our feed and see if they had any questions. Um, so let's see uh, what they might be able to to share, because I'm curious what everybody else had to think. Well, about I, know, it. I know a certain a certain viewer named Preston Hammerschmidt said, uh, don't <laughs> screw up, Dad. So, yeah, that, that, was a big, no that was a big one. He, he gives tremendous advice, by the way. I mean, he's always he's always one to give excellent advice. So Are you next to time, give yourself a compliment like a chip up the old block. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll put it this way: next time he's on the pitch, I'll be sure to hold up a sign that says, "Hey, don't screw up, kid." Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how you always need your support, right? Don't mess oh, it up. We need pressure. We need a picture of that. We need a picture. Uh, yeah. Mrs. Hammerschmidt, get get that picture. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> tough living in the Hammerschmidt household. I tell you. <laughs> yeah well you know it's been pretty pretty fun overall i think uh it was brilliant to be able to have the players come on our show to be able to talk about their experience as well uh the draft itself i think was about as smooth as you could ask it to be given the conditions as scott pointed out uh i hope to be able to hear more from the players i know rob you've been connecting with them and we probably will have the opportunity to hear how they feel once the dust settles on it and uh, we'll happily be able to bring one or two of them onto the mlr around uh what do you think uh absolutely so i've reached out to most of the players that were picked that i had connections with and and you know as as they get back to me we could certainly uh, bring them in to talk about their experience the one thing i'm interested in, i'd like to hear your guys feedback on this is do you think we're going to see a successive series of signings over the next week or two weeks of free agents, guys that perhaps were on that bubble that did that, that right. we thought might get selected, but didn't. Think, and, and, you know, I think of a guy like uh, Ani Mateo from Lindenwood or um, Connor Buckley, you know, Connor Buckley, they projected as a top five. Connor, pick Buckley. Didn't get picked. Connor yeah. Buckley is a, uh, also a Rudy award finalist, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was on my list. I mean, we you know, had both spoken about him. I know, Rob, uh, you also said he was a great pick. I don't know if he was on your list, but we could, we all agreed it was yeah. definitely a player of note. So maybe there's something else there. I mean, he was considered yeah. young. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I thought he was going to be a pick. It was one of the surprises how we didn't see him uh, there. So, so I'm going to go through some names of some top players that I would have expected to see selected that didn't. Um, right. Connor Buckley was mentioned. Lincoln C., um, Harry Masters, uh, Joe Russert Cuddy. Um, that was a big one. Nate Shipley. Yeah. Uh, Shipley, Rogers. Um, I don't think Callum Haddock was Haddock selected. Uh, I don't think he was. Selected. I don't think no. I recognize no. that no. name. Uh, Joey Freeman, uh, Ken uh, Kurahara, uh, Calvin Gentry. Um, you know, Gentry, so right, yeah. Um, yeah, I think what's going to happen is I think if, if I were the, a team, I'd get the next two weeks out on the draft picks they just picked up. Pump it on social media, get the stuff out there. July, I think, is when a lot of those um, contracts become closed out, you know, from the June to the July transfer. So I'm, I'm assuming right at around 4th of July, you're going to see a lot of signings of either free agents, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, because the way that this is structured, now, first we need to be able to figure out, will these players uh, sign with them? I'm assuming so, because 
even though, I mean, it's interesting. There wasn't supposed to be any conversations, but the, you know, there were conversations, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's, it's interesting to be able to see. They will all play that out, let the marketing settle, you know, the publicity, the great stuff there. They, I would imagine, have to have in mind who are those players lined up for free agency already. So you're going to see that coming about. If I were them, I would spread it out just so that you can have continual news and remain relevant. Uh, but, you know, that was just, you know, a difference in strategy there. Um, and, the and I wonder, is the, sorry? Well, I, I wonder how COVID is going, going to affect international signings because we don't know when flights to the United States are going to continue, you know, going to start up again in the Southern Hemisphere. From well, Japan. not only that, it's also the people processing the visas themselves. Um, so there's a couple of things that are that are restrictions there. Um, you know, we, we would hope that things would be settled definitely by the beginning of the preseason. And if it follows a similar pattern as it had from previous seasons or at least this season, you know, you would have to know something by January. You would have to have players starting to join the camps by then. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going to be a, be, be a challenge for sure. Um, and visas have always been a constant challenge for, for this league. Uh, because it is a new sport to America, you know, we spoke about this, uh, um, where players literally have to be able to show game tape of themselves playing for their national country to validate the reason for their visa. What's, mm -hmm. what's interesting is I actually had an ongoing conversation with, um, uh, let's see, uh, it was uh, Leon Patel champion, a, a hooker, a very quality hooker, um, and, uh, you know, he's from the UK and one of the things that, um, he talked about is that, you know, uh, teams only have so many visas that they can extend to players. And so, you know, uh, that can be a rather difficult thing for these young guys to navigate. Um, and, and he wants to, you know, they want to make sure that, that, um, that the player is going to be a good fit for them before they are able to extend a visa. So again, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that might delay perhaps some of these signings is, Scott mentioned seemed to indicate it might happen more July uh, or mid-July. Yeah, um, really quick, I just want to interrupt just because we forgot some of the schools, uh, some of the guys' schools. Just so, just yeah. just for reference sake. So, uh, Danny John Scoli is a Loyola, Loyola University guy. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, John Scotty, Arkansas State, and who who else were we missing? Rob Mason Cook, and and then I we should have Gordon. I just uh, Gordon, uh, Mason um, is a Dartmouth uh, Dartmouth University guy. And I'm sorry, who else? Uh, Gordon is from um, University of uh, UMW, which is University of Mary Washington. Mary, Mary Washington. Yeah. Uh, it, UMW here is University of White, uh, Milwaukee. University of So now that we have yeah, Milwaukee, so so now that we have all the colleges, who has the most? Um. Let's see, Life had two, uh, AIG had two, LU had two, St. Mary's uh, had two. St. Mary's did well. They had two guys go in the top five. Life had two wow. guys go in the top six. Uh, AI, you know, like I said, AIC had two. Iona had two. Uh, two. Um, uh, Central Washington had uh, two. Um, so it was it was fairly well uh, fairly well spread out actually. 
Yeah, which is nice to be able to see that they're looking across the, the entire country and not just some of the, like the more traditional colleges. There was one from ICC. Who was that? Uh, that was Elijah. Uh, yeah. Elijah hey. Hayes. Yeah. 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 I was trying to think, man. That's the big boy. Yeah. So I like and, at least there's one Iowa kind of candidate there for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's he's a Louisiana guy. Um, you know, so I'm talking about Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> we I'm have talking some, to give me this, Rob. Yeah, I'll give you I'll, <laughs> I'll give you all that you got. Um, but uh, you know, Benji kind of thought that that he might be selected by uh, Nolan, one of those two early picks at two and ten. Right. Um, you know, uh, and it's interesting. And he might they, very well have been one of them, but it just didn't play out that way. Right. And and it's interesting that Nola picked up a front rower in Brian Nolt at number two um, and, you know, from central Washington rather than uh, Elijah Hayes. And, you know, maybe just fit into their system a little better and what they wanted to accomplish moving forward. Right. Uh, and that's exactly the, the, the point. You know, we've, we've looked at these. I mean, it's pretty interesting. We did have a great overlap with some key players. Um, you know, it, maybe it's really no surprise that there weren't as many 10s and 9s and 15s as we had anticipated because those players uh, in in their teams now are set. Those roles are set. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to be able to see. But, you know, what evolves after that? Again, we've, we've said it a few times. will be interesting to be able to see. Um, you know, we now also have for the first time, again, well, not for the first time, but we have more new guillotinis and more new jackals. So well, that was going to be my next comment is we still haven't seen the actual breakdown of the Colorado draft of the expansion right. draft of Colorado. So that's and, interesting. And I wonder when that is going to be revealed. I mean, I've got some ideas of who's going where. Um, not ready to be able to say exactly where, but we know for one for sure. And we definitely know that both sides are going to have Raptors experienced players in it. So you've at least got some experience coming straight away, which if you're a new expansion team, what you're going to lack immediately is experience. Um, so you, then you've got LA, who's asked to be able to have an additional uh, 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 international oh, signing for experience. But then you've got Dallas, who wanted to be able to get more local players in and younger boys. So it's just, it's interesting to be able to see the differences. You know, um, and, they want to know real quick, they want to know what game is playing in the background right there, Ty. What game, what match is that? This is Northampton versus uh, Warwickshire. It's a premiership game, I think. <laughs> yeah, that was a question from one of our uh, fans. Okay. So, you know, one thing that's uh, interesting. The, the um, Shield semi-final and from Australia. Gotcha. Thank you, sir. So you, you were talking, Ty, about, um, you know, we have yet to, uh, to know the depth to which uh, both L.A. and Dallas have picked up. Uh, Colorado's players. What's interesting is as I reviewed the uh, DJ Coyle uh, uh, Joff. Is it is it Joff? Is it I'm going with Joff. Um, Joff. Combo on the draft. Uh, I don't know whether it was on purpose, uh, whether it was accidental, um, but I, I thought that DJ Coyle actually said that Chad Goff uh, from Colorado went to Dallas. So okay, you know, I can see that. I mean, I can see that. I think he's a great player. Obviously, he's, uh, you know, USA rugby all over him. Um, great product of uh, Infinity Park, Rugby Town, USA. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid player. I mean, if you're looking for, for experience up front, he's a good pick. I mean, then you've got Blake, who's gone to to uh, the Giltinis. So you do have to be able to spread it out. I mean, 
yeah, sure. You'd love to be able to say just, okay, give me the whole tight five and move them across to my team because you're going to carry through that momentum, the continuity. Uh, but it obviously didn't play out that way because it would have gone one, 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 one. They would have sat down at the table. I don't know how it happened, but I'm assuming they would have tried to be able to spread that experience uh, between the two teams. So if uh, Goff ends up at uh, the uh, Dallas outfit, I'm happy with that because he's a great player. And what's interesting, we had Connor Murphy on a couple of weeks ago. You know, Connor Murphy's still out there as a free agent. Scrum half, he's down there in Texas. You know, might Dallas look to be signing somebody like him? Um, you know, somebody with experience, somebody that's played in, in, in right. the UK um, and, and bring in somebody like that. Because quite frankly, in some of their picks, they didn't, you know, they didn't pick a, a skill player at, num at, right. at number nine. And it's interesting that you say at number nine, you know, when you've got, uh, so recently I had a conversation with Sean Yakubian, uh, ex-Raptor, of course, from the 2020 season. You know, he's uh, played at an under-20 level for Scotland. Uh, you know, he was one of the younger players coming into the Raptors squad. But now here's my proposed question is, again, there weren't many or if any nines that were picked in this uh, draft. So, you know, that hey guys, we have, uh, we have Andrew guys, we have Andrew Garron. Okay. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I'm ready. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let me say congratulations from the MLR Rant podcast, guys. We're very happy uh, for you, and I'm sure that you and your family are very much the same. I mean, run us through yeah. some of the feelings that you've got in your mind, in your heart right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I obviously all day leading up to kind of just more nervous and nervous. So uh, it was right. just such a, such a joy, such a rush of emotions when it happened. Just like all the hard work pays off when you see your name on the screen. And there are just, there's just so much happiness. Right. And that's exactly it. You know, we're happy to be able to see all these players find a new rugby home as much as you're obviously happy to be able to find a new rugby home for yourself. But what are some of the key things that you're looking forward to? Oh, I'm just looking forward to get, get to know the guys, get with the guys. That's my favorite part about rugby is a brotherhood. Just getting with the guys, working with the guys, not even just the games, but just the environment, working out outside of rugby, getting on the practice field. That's where you really make your money when you're grinding out on the practice field. So I'm excited for those days, uh, the sense of accomplishment for going through all that and uh, accomplishing ones together. I'm, I'm looking forward to all that, getting all the guys the most. Fantastic. And when you talk about knowing the guys, there's no one better than Rob. So Rob, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, so first of all, I'd like everybody to take notice uh, at, at one of the teams that sticks out on the board behind you there, Chicago Bears. You are a Chicago product. Uh, yeah. Talk about some of your experiences oh. as, a, as a young <laughs> – where's the love, man? <laughs> um, talk about some of your experience wow. as a young player coming through the youth process here in the Chicagoland area. Who are some of the people that you really leaned on to help you grow and develop as a player? Yeah, so starting in high school uh, – my head coach was Mike Holland, uh, I had Jack Cushing, Andy Wasik. Those three guys, um, they introduced me to rugby. So that was my beginning stages. Um, that's where I learned the fundamentals, and that's how I started. Um, and then going to college, I had uh, Jason Fox recruited me. I had Luke Matthews, assistant coach. Actually, my brother, Anthony Garrow, is an assistant coach there um, uh, as a graduate assistant. Um, I had um, Coach Dale Lenville. Uh, Coach Gainford. I, I just had so many guys help me with that. And then, um, but yeah, for Chicago, I, I think one of the main guys, and many people don't know this, but Dave Clancy from the Chicago Lions has been one of the biggest helps to me. Um, and just just in terms of getting me, giving me the uh, the chance to showcase myself. 
Uh, he, he always believed in me since day one. Uh, when I first came to Chicago Lions, he was an assistant coach, but he always loved my work ethic. And I always loved, I like, I appreciate that he saw that in me and he always supported me. Even if I was a second side guy, he always, he always recognized that I was working hard and I was pushing guys on the first side. And he's one of those guys that really boosted my confidence to say, you know, I could keep, I keep pushing and pushing. Uh, the hard work's not going unnoticed. And it, it really took, it, it was a slow process. Uh, you come from Chicago, even just being American, you don't, you really don't know. You think you know rugby, but you really don't, obviously, until you get more and more knowledge of the game. Um, and it, it humbles you. It humbles you a lot. In my entire life, I've been such a like, – I've, I've been blessed with good genetics, good, great family, great friends, great coaches in my life that I've always been blessed to have um, – get get the chance to be kind of like the, the uh, higher up on the team, being a good athlete. But going through rugby has really humbled me. Uh, my first year after my freshman year of college, going to play with the Lions was such a humbling experience with Dave Clancy in Chicago. And uh, Coach Fee, David Fee in Chicago, um, it just being like recognizing that uh, like you're not all that, and it humbles you, it brings you down. And I think it's been one of the biggest things in the growth of my in myself as a player is going to those guys um, and recognizing like there's so much more to learn. You can there's you can always work harder, and there's always something to work on. So um, yeah, to bring it back to Chicago, Dave Clancy and David Fee have been a great help from the Lions. And and you know I I just want to recognize um, you know. Uh, the West Coast gets a lot of uh, publicity about the development of their rugby players. Of course, Patrick Madden, you know, one of the stars coming out of the West. We've got some tremendous talent coming out of the East Chicago. Uh, the, the big guy's very familiar with that. And then and then we have the Chicagoland area. And, you know, you have the opportunity now to follow another NOLA player that's developed from college, come out of the Chicago area, Matt Harmon, and who's now worked himself into the first side. How excited are you to get down there with the boys? Uh, have you had a chance to meet with uh, any of the boys, any of the coaching staff, and and get a sense for what they're looking for out of you? Yeah, so I recently I haven't met with them, but last this uh, past summer – I went to Rugby Town, Rugby Town Sevens, and Nola sent the team for Rugby Town Sevens, and they actually asked me, like, yeah, right there, best tournament there is in America. They asked me last second, um, like the Sunday before, or like a couple of days before the flight, I was one of the last guys to be picked on the team, and they, that's when I met everybody. I went there, I played with, uh, like, Nick Feeks. Um, he, he played for Lions well, I knew him before, and uh, Taylor Howden was there, and it was – that's when I met the core group of guys, and I think that's what really – um, began my relationship with Nola because I know um, just my height of being like 5'10", you might look at me on a roster and overlook me. But um, I, I was, at that time, I was able to showcase myself to them. They saw me up in front. They saw me saw me in practice working. Um, they got to know me as a person, and they got to saw, see me play in the game against great players. And that's what created my relationship with them. And that, that really is what started all with Nola and kind of began that relationship with Nola and getting to know those guys. I think that's a great point. You know, at 510, people might uh, overlook you, but the fact that coach has gotten an opportunity to see eyes on you, see your style of play, see your work ethic, see your energy, see what you brought to the field. I mean, there is a difference between what you see off the pitch and what you see present itself on the pitch. And, uh, you know, I just want to say congratulations. Uh, You've got a a a fellow Chicago fan right here uh, that's going to be following your career and and watching you uh, every, every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, in the 2021 season, hoping you get a peek at that first side, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on. Excellent. Congratulations, man. Good luck in your journey, my friend. Continue to grow and develop. Thank you. Cheers. 
Well, once again, it has been an amazing opportunity, not only to be able to hear from one of the drafted players, but to be able to be a part of the draft in the Major League Rugby podcast show. We've taken the opportunity to share what we know and to be able to share our thoughts, but we also want to know what do you think about the experience. So take the opportunity to be able to share your comments with us on our Facebook platform, Instagram, Twitter, and you can follow us under the handle of MLR Rant, and that will be on the normal social pages. So take the opportunity, let us know what you think. We will, of course, repost this on our YouTube channel. That is, again, the MLR Rant podcast show from myself, Ty Braga, your host, alongside Rob Hammerschmidt and Scott Ferrara. Thank you for joining us for the first MLR Rant. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.